I'm Shane O'Keefe. This is Scoreline Extra, the podcast that condenses just some of the interviews that we had on Scoreline at the weekend. There was loads. There was loads. I'm sleepy. I'm tired. But I'm delighted to be able to bring you some of the best interviews. This side is the Mississippi. It, that's what John Walsh said. We're going to start with GAA and work backwards from there. Here's Pat Hoban, Ballyhale Shamrocks manager. Pat Hoban, you're a happy man after that easy victory, I suppose we could call it, over Castletown Gagan. But in fairness to you, you were relentless and you can only play what's in front of you, but you were awesome today. Yeah, look, I suppose the scoreline a little bit harsh on, 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 on Castletown Gagan. I think, to be honest, the goals were the big difference right from the start. We got two goals early on. Uh, they had a lot of possession, they had a lot of ball, they had seven or eight wides in the first half, which could have kept it a bit closer. Like, we came out, we had a bit of a breeze in our back second half, and we were here in other games. I mentioned in the dressing room, we were here against Glenmore, we had a very good first half. We didn't push on, and we said, look, we've got to just drive on and drive on. And to be fair, once we got the first goal, I think the boys just opened it up, and they were, they were excellent. You had a few weeks break from your county final win and obviously there were boys away on holidays and that. How were the preparations gone for it? Because from looking at you today, it didn't like you were hampered at all at all. Yeah, look, uh, we, we we trained we, we we trained as normal. You know, everybody trained who could be there. Obviously, the Kilkenny lads were away and on a deserved holiday and I'm sure they enjoyed themselves. But to be fair to them now, they did a lot of work on holidays. Well, that's what they told me anyway. But, uh, um, so no, they're only back. We got them back in the field Wednesday night, a bit rusty, but uh, trained again on Friday. And these guys are professional in their approach, you know. So um, once they got going, you could see the first couple of minutes were a bit sluggish, but once they opened up, they, were, they, they got back into their stride. Come here to me, any day you can start a game without TJ Reid in the full forward line and still rack up 5.25. It's a good day for yourselves, but a couple of the players that came in and started, like Sonia Shortle and especially Killian Corker, and out around the middle of the field as well, they're putting their hands up for the next day. Yeah, no, like... The- I suppose part of any team and every team and particularly in a club team you, have, you know you have tight numbers uh, and throughout the league and throughout the championship uh, we, we've used a good number of players we're conscious of getting lads in they're two very good young lads and they stepped in there late in the day and they really grabbed their chance When you have forwards like Owen Cody Colin Fenley down there as well Owen scoring 210 today unbelievable uh, you know I mean when you have that kind of experience in there it certainly sets you out and makes you put down a marker for the championship Hopefully, look, uh, the next game is Nates now. That's, that's that's the semi-final. I went to see him play yesterday. They, they again, racked up a lot of scores. Uh, you know, we have 10 more man over them. I'm sure he'll know, he'll know everything that there is about the Shamrocks. He'll have a plan for that. So we'll just take one step at a time. Getting back to Crow Park, I suppose, after last year's defeat as well as somewhere that you want to be. And I know you're not thinking too much of the defeat from last year as well, but how much would it mean to get back to the All-Ireland final again? You know, there's a lot of hurdles there and I think the Leinster champions are due to play the Munster champions in the semi-final. So uh, it's one step at a time. I mean, that's going to be an awesome game next week with Ballygunner and the Piercing. Uh, so if you were lucky enough to get a, to get that far, I think that, that would be a serious challenge. Just a, a quick one on TJ. You didn't have to use him today. He was talked out, though on the sideline all okay yeah I know he's carrying a bit of a knock there he's been carrying it right through the season there he's, he's been sort of having to mind himself and manage the injury today uh, we made a decision to, to give him that break he was ready to come in if, if needed I think he even wanted to come in there but uh, we, 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 uh, we, we held him back 
when you have a fellow like TJ that wants to go in I mean he has to take some sort of a rest as well so that wasn't an easy decision to lay him off I know like to be fair like he's you know he's one of the best hurlers ever but we have to manage the situation and, and, and look down the line and please God uh, as he normally does when you need him most he stands up well well done today on an outstanding performance and we look forward to seeing you in the next day again Nace thanks very much Mark thank you Richie Reid would you class that as an easy win against Castletown Gagan in your semi-final you were really awesome in that game yeah we did um, in fairness to the lads putting a serious score there on the scoreboard um, we wanted to come to putting performance really more than that and I wasn't going out there to bait by so many points right? which for the team like, to get performance in and I think the lads did it up front I think though that shows the respect that you have for the opposition because you were relentless in your attack every time you went down you were getting a score with it and it just goes to show that you don't really take anyone for granted No you can't really take anyone for granted we saw last year like we literally came close to getting knocked out in the uh, Leinster semi-final um, so this year like it's really concentrating on every team that we're playing in Leinster and, um, and look, we're looking forward to the semi-final there in two weeks any day that you can play without the brother on the team as well and put up a huge score like that the lads that would come in like Killy and Corcoran in particular around midfields instead of Paddy like they're really putting their hands up for a certain spot the next day yeah they are in fairness like we speak about the squad there and there's a panel of young lads coming through there and it's like if the lads are missing their TJ and Paddy are missing there today and it's the lads that get their chance when they when they come on there and in fairness to Killian he got three or four points there today and Niall Shartle there as well like they took the chances you're probably not talking about last year in the dressing room as well but how much do you really want to get back to Crow Park again next year yeah I know we haven't spoken about it once it's just about the next game really and look we look forward to semi-final there in two weeks in uh, Crow Park against Nice be nice to get back to Crow Park again it will be nice yeah we sweet one out to get back there yeah so it'll be semi-final and then hopefully Leinster final and there again you were obviously away on the holiday as well for a, a couple of weeks with the, the team yeah enjoyed yourselves yeah we did I have a nice old time a bit of a colour there already so I was back, flew back in there Friday morning so all gears ahead now for the Lens semi-final well we wish you the very best luck and thanks Richie cheers thanks Morris, you've been around the block, but I don't think games come much better than that one. Well, it was a terrific game to be involved with and a terrific game to win. And I love winning those type of games where you have to dig deep and try to hold on to a lead or dig it out. And that's what we've done, and that's what St Mullins needed. As you know yourself, it's 14 weeks since we played a championship. And the same for Ferns. It's hard to gauge how you're going in challenge matches, even though we got very good challenge matches, I must say, and clubs are very obliging, but it's still not the same intensity as that there today. It was intense, and a day got off to a great start, but you didn't panic. You were never... No. Morris Elwer teams don't panic. No, well, you weathered the storm well, and you set up very well, and they had a problem breaking down your half-back line. They had, yeah. Our half-back line was very good in the first half, I thought, and all through the game. No, that's the one thing we had said, not to panic. If they got a goal or something, just work your way back into it because it's nearly more important what you do when you're not in control of a game as what you do when you are in control. It's more important. That's what we did. We kept tipping away. And, like, basically, we're, for three quarters of the match, we were in the lead the whole time, like, you know, and went in at three points at half time. Could have been a little more, but we, we went to six points, I think, at one stage. But we always held that one 
two or three points yeah. and it was vital and I, I said it to Terence on commentary and I said it to Billy Byrne we spoke about it on the commentary a two score lead was important and when you were four up it was real to three then it was two and then it was one and one. then Morris is thinking on the sideline what's going to happen and in the latter in the, at the end of the game they launched a high ball which your defence was on top and Kevin was after bringing off a fantastic, fantastic save yeah fantastic so, probably saved us that one if yeah. they had to get that goal we were in trouble like. yeah. but then we could have got, should have got one just before half time there that would have put us six points ahead at half time which had been a good lead the wind wasn't as big a factor as you think now the air puck outs in the first half I was happy enough going in at half time but reaching our half back line so didn't seem to be much difference in, in the puck outs it's kind of going sideways anyway so right now um, Shamrocks are in the other semi-final you're in the semi-final it's looking like Kilmacud as, as I speak to here at Netwatch yeah. Cullen Park but what pleased Morris Elward mostly about your St Mullins performance today digging out the result and the spirit that they showed to win it they know they never let the as you said there earlier they never let themselves get sidetracked or anything like that they kept focused on what they had to do and that's why we won that match and in the end Morris there was a rook for a possession on the far side and Seamus Murphy felt he might have got a free and a lot of people felt he should have I but thought he should have right beside it yeah I, I looked down I thought so as well there was a few of them in it but you'll get that in hurling but you had to weather the storm the ball came in it wasn't a two score game at this stage and if they got the goal and somehow you kept it out but overall the best team won that match I and think yeah we're slightly the better team and we're just happy to come out of it and for the sake of the club and the whole parish it's going to be wonderful to get to Crow Park and go, you know, wonderful for the parish and for the young people to go up and see to go up and see their their team it's the first time ever St Mullins have played in Croke Park believe it, it or not I think it's the first time ever St Mullins beat a Wexford team champions as well so look it was a great day for us a great day well listen we look forward to Croke Park well done today there was a huge crowd here as well Wexford are disappointed but we're not worried about Wexford tonight no, Shamrocks, Shamrocks are in the final on behalf of KCLR and Morris Aylward has <laughs> St Mullins in, in the semi-final and St Mullins are in the semi-final and Morris want to wish you well and uh, best of luck in training and preparations with the lads you've a great bunch of lads and I know a lot of them personally they're a great bunch of lads and we wish you well thanks very much Brendan pleasure talking to you thanks Mark. thanks a million Jerry yeah. Lennon Jerry Selector with St Mullins I just missed Morris there but I hopefully get him in a moment Jerry yeah. a great day for the parish but what a great performance oh great performance the whole 15 and 16 or 17 the two subs were behind yeah full, fully committed display yeah. and, went on, and went on the back foot early in the game but you know that happens in hurling but yeah. you picked off some great scores yeah the goal was a bit of a shocker in the beginning but at least we came back and do it quickly and then once we got going like we kept we held for most of the match we held a 2 or 3 point lead and we held it they didn't, they didn't never they never got down below 2 or 3 points until the last minute when they got out the wound so the short, I probably showed great result though, I thought myself the whole match Well your family Jerry, and I belonged here involved with St Mullins since day one since this club was formed but heading to Croke Park and the green jerseys of St Mullins it's a huge day for Carlo Hurling and it's going to be a huge day for St Mullins and in with a great chance against Kilmacud Oh yeah great chance and a huge I mean it's a huge day for the club I mean to get to Croke, get to Croke Park like yesterday yesterday there was a text on the supporters all roads lead to Dr Cullen Park the next day we all roads lead to Croke Park I mean sure you couldn't things you dream about like it really They were happy it was in the mix, melting pot in the last few minutes but in fairness you had the scores we were hoping it would be kept to a two score game but in fairness the Ferns were a lovely team and they got back to within two points then to one point and it then it was, a, it was a dodgy situation it's very dodgy and then two points ahead with, with, with say 30 seconds ago and the ball landing in the square you don't have a good heart yeah. and, um, but 
actually dear number nine was a great free taker he took, in, in Burn, yeah. yeah yeah powerful free taker but at least that, we held out and that's the main thing and uh, but I think we're the best team overall well, without a doubt Jerry yeah. Yeah, well, so I think we deserve the win well and, listen uh, we look forward to Croke Park and well done and, and right, uh, correct you, me if I'm wrong but I think I'm right it will be the first time ever St Mullins uh, have played in Croke Park now I know right. the underage team has yeah, probably uh, played yeah. in schools and that uh, yeah, but, and, no the first time for St Mullins to go there yeah. great, so, that's a great day as well isn't great it great day great day yeah. so it'll be a great day for the parish and great day for the county yeah. great for Hurling and Carroll I mean we'll say Mullins that's the way they've been to or nine years ago and we've beaten Wexford Champions now again great day for I mean, that's all great for Carlo Hurling certainly is we not, Billy Burns said there's nothing wrong with Carlo Hurling he just told me up in the press box we interviewed him so nothing wrong with you get them no. together chat on Tuesday night bit of training and we'll see you in Croker exactly Brendan yeah stop you in Croker come on yourself thanks a million thanks sir Jack Cavanagh, AIB man of the match here in Netwatch Cullen Park today. Casey Lauren, man of the match. Jack, a great performance, great day for St Mullins, and well done in your own personal performance to a man I thought you had an outstanding display. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Um, yeah, an unbelievable day. Probably the, probably the proudest day I, I've awarded the jersey because uh, what it means for the club going forward in two weeks' time to Crow Park and debate the extra champions is something we have, we've never done as a club. And you know, it's, it's an unbelievable day, and I'm a very proud St Mullins man today. Yeah, great panel performance, Jack. I just spoke to Michael, the captain. You know, you dug deep, you went behind with a Paul Morris goal but you know you played sensible hurling competitive hurling intelligent hurling and finished well yeah exactly Brendan look at uh, the goal didn't rattle us you know it just came uh, very early in the game so we had loads of time to recover and going back to basics you know we knew where strengths were and we kind of played to that opened up a few times in the first half didn't take the chances but didn't let it rattle us you know and then when Connor got the chance in the second half he buried it and uh, it was a, a very good team performance with no bad man out there today and uh, I was just very happy and you were lucky he didn't get two goals in that first half also but Connor, in fairness finished that one well in the second half yeah look we said half time the next time goal chance we get walking all the way into the goal you know just don't, don't give me the opportunity to hook you or stop it so Connor and Ferris did that and uh, yeah look we should have had two goals and uh, thankfully we didn't uh, we're not ruining them chances now we, got, we came out the right side of it just barely but uh, a great day you're heading to Croke Park yeah it's unbelievable and like I said it's my, probably the proudest time I've ever been wearing to wear this jersey now after all the years and uh, it's just unbelievable for the club it's unbelievable for the parish for families representing the county it's just can't really put into words it's special yeah because you've worn the Carroll jersey in Croke Park numerous occasions minor uh, Joe Mac Christie ring and you're around the block of oil Jack but uh, you're heading back with the green jersey on you know which is brilliant for the parish yeah yeah that's it that's it like you know these are the lads these are the lads that you went to school with since you were you know four or five years of age these are the lads that'll you know they'll carry you to your grave in years to come you know and you know it means that a little bit more when you go there with your club you know your own rural club and uh, like we love our hurling down there and uh, you know a very close bunch of lads and uh, really looking forward to two weeks well listen well done in your own performance well done St Mullins great all around performance Jack and let's see you in Croker thanks Brendan thank you Good man well done James, well done. I think you finished with three points yourself. It doesn't matter what you got. They all count, but uh, a great day for St Mullins and all the way to Croker. You're heading back. Yeah, look, it was uh, it was a long wait since the county final, look, and we were looking forward to it for a long time, but it was a fair battle there today. I'm just glad we came out in the end. Yeah, tough, tough in the beginning, but, uh, you know, we were talking to various people there after the match, James. Good hurling people, Wexford and Carlo. But, you know, the dirty ball had to be won in the end, and you won it, but it was a sign of the little bit of passion that you had today and the hunger and you know there was a good job done at home and the training feeling behind I take it also yeah definitely look I know this time of the year it's going to be slogging ball and all that but um, I think in the first in the first half look we didn't drive too many wides we probably left two goals behind us which kept them in the game but they never they never stopped throughout the whole lot of it and look it was a massive battle in the second half like and uh, just thankfully came out in the end anyway of all the games you've played said Mullins Carlo how did that one rate was it one of the toughest 
Yeah, look, it was up there. Look, I, I went to school in Wexford, so look, I know I was like playing against Wexford team growing up and stuff like that. Look, and there was always a, a huge battle between us all. Like, and it was always going to be the same here again today. Yeah, were you a good council man, you were? I was indeed. Tight furlong in school, which I was a few years ahead. Oh, he was a few years ahead of me. <laughs> he had a good day yesterday in Green. Yeah. He had a good day. James, I'll see you in Croker. Yeah. You like Croke Park. Yeah. So let's hope you like it the next day. Yeah, please, guys. Thanks a million. Hi, Cheers. James. Well done. Good man. Michael Walsh, captain of Semble. It's Michael, a great day for the club. You dug deep, but uh, overall, Wexford people agreed, best team won the match, and it was a tough one to play in. It was a tough one, very tough. Uh, when knew when that first goal, and I knew well they get their tails on our back, and uh, I thought we kind of would be struggling here, but we kind of got the grips to it, and we got back a couple of points, and we kept going through the first half. Second half, then we came out, and we knew well in the first 10, 15 minutes, we had to kind of really dig deep, because we knew well they were going through it now. And for luck, we got a couple of points, and kept the scoreboard ticking the whole time. I think the last couple of minutes, now was tough, but we, we did we did the hard fought out the boys and friends they worked really hard and that's what we're working on the last couple of weeks was getting the, the work rate up since the county final we dropped it a bit kind of from the county final till now but we got back in the last few weeks and we're very happy with the game very happy uh, with Billy Byrne was up there with Saudi Australia he just said to me about the half back line uh, with yourself and, and Jaron and Paddy Fern struggled to deal with you at times but when the ball needed to be won in the last second of the game and I know we had 64 minutes of play you know there was a dirty ball one I think Connor came out in the end that was the big difference with St Mullins and you had a hunger passion and excellent performance all around Michael yeah that's what I wanted to do we want to represent Carlo here on a good stage and just show him what Carlo Horn's all about just because like the Wexford County hurlers the Wexford County county games are all good they're all, the club games are all really good and we knew when we were meeting Ferns today that we wanted to put up a good fight and we knew if I won that dirty ball we won the breaking ball and we worked really hard especially in this weather soft conditions we knew well it would come out with the win well you're heading for Croke Park it's looking like Kilmacutter defeating Clockball they're a little bit behind us here but listen you're in Croke Park you won't want to worry who it is and I think Croke Park will suit I've seen a lot of these Carroll lads playing in Croke Park before Michael as captain you have to be proud of the full panel today and the great job Morris has done with you oh absolutely absolutely uh, we're just delighted to get Croke Park we want to, but we're, we're not happy with where we are we want to even improve more we're going back Tuesday and we're going to have a little chat and we're going to see if we push on again good man yourself and well done today Mike thanks very much thanks Brendan well done I know Scally Scally good Scally Scally good Eddie Scally how are you doing I'd imagine good uh, I am yeah very happy Shane yeah yeah thank god uh, tricky game but we got through it in the end yeah, tricky. Get like when we were talking to Pat Nolan at half time, you were five points ahead, and I mentioned, you know, will he be happy with that? Will Eddie be happy with that? He said, nope, <laughs> not at all. So, what went wrong in the first half that you wouldn't have been happy with a five point lead? Uh, I just, I just didn't think we were on it today, you know. And I know five points up at half time probably is a strong position to be in, but I just felt that we just weren't playing our, our type of game. A lot of individuals were probably playing a little bit their own type of game and the three-week break, it's things just weren't working for us. And I just felt that, in fairness, the ringtown, I thought they were very good and they were very unlucky. Like, they'd hit a lot of white in the first half and I felt if, if they were taking their chances, there was no way we should have been five points up. So it was more that, you know. Um, and then, unfortunately, even at half-time when we were really in a straight-talking conversation with everybody, the problem is it's not like a light switch. You can't just turn it on. And yeah. The lads, the lads were kind of just dead on their feet for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Ringtown got it back to a level game and then, you know, everybody, including myself, you know, you're kind of looking at thinking all oh, their momentum is with them. But in fairness to the boys, look at it and, and try to get into extra time. But uh, we shouldn't have been in that position. But I give all the credit to Ringtown because they, they really put up to us. 
Yeah, I suppose that there was that five unanswered points there from Ringtown um, that would no doubt scared you uh, as the things went to level. But how crucial then was that next score for you? 31 minutes into the second half to put you ahead. I know they eventually got level as well, but to stop that race. Oh, it was a massive score. And in fairness, you know, it was we didn't look like getting it. Um, they were, it was all the momentum was with Ringtown. As you said, they got five unanswered points. Like, there was a big crowd there. And, you know, the, the Ringtown crowd were making a lot of noise at that stage and really pushing them on. And I think in fairness to Keelan, there was a good poke out. It was worked out towards Reiner. And we got the score and it put us a point up. And you had that safety net going into injury time. I know Ringtown leveled it. But, you know, if it had went the other way, you know, we would have been under savage pressure. But in fairness, it, it didn't. We got the point. But in fairness to Ring Town, and to their credit, they could have dropped their heads. We went a point up with 20 seconds of injury had to go, and Ring Town broke down the field and got another score to bring us in level. So, you know, I can tell you there was, there was a fair conversation had at full time in the dressing room. We were just delighted to be able to have 20 more minutes to try and save our season. Well, whatever was said at full time in the dressing room, like, you just absolutely charged ahead. You went four points clear in the first half of extra time. But then, in the second half of extra time, that goal, you went... They, they, they didn't score, did they? No, they, they only got one point in extra time. They got one point in the start of extra time. And in fairness to the lads, like we made five or six changes. I've said this, it's a panel game. They had fresh legs coming on, like Jason Byrne. He came on, he was exceptional when he came on. Aaron Foley came on, made a big difference. Um, Mikey Moe came on, made a big difference. Porrick Joyce. Like every sub, even Killian, everyone that came on made a big difference and they made an impact. But the goal that we got, you know, there was a quick ball played out from the keeper. It went to Senna and Doyle at wing back. I was worn at him, carry it into the space because he was only three points up. And he just seen the run of Jamie. I had spotted it. Thank God Senna did. And he drilled an absolutely brilliant pass in over their full back. And Jamie got it and absolutely rifled it. And that was curtains for Ringtown. That put us seven points up. And there was no way we were going to relinquish that lead. And to the credit of the lads, they just kept going and just they just were relentless for the last five minutes, which, you know, I'd be delighted from. Fitness point of view, we're looking at it thinking, you know, the lads are in a very good place for three weeks since we played, but with injury time in the extra time, it was us driving forward to get more scores. So, look, I'm just I'm just thrilled. All the pressure was on us going up here today. Right now, really had nothing to lose, and I, I can't emphasize it enough. Like, they had some really good hurdles, full forward in particular, was brilliant. Um, so, it's just a really tough day at the afternoon. I'm just delighted we got away with it. A home tie now for you, Eddie, awaits. Uh, will you be looking at UPMC Nolan Park, or, or what's yeah, the story? Saturday week, um, you know, unfortunately, day in sport getting beaten today. We would have had two games fixed for half one next Saturday week. Obviously, with day in sport being knocked out, probably frees up UPMC Nolan Park. I'm assuming it's fine find a play it there. Uh, we'll be playing commercials from Dublin. They had a massive win today, 127 to 10 points against Mount Melick of Leash. So... Thankfully, we'll be back to being the underdogs again. <laughs> so, because we did not carry the favourite tag well heading up to Westmead, so I'm happy to be the underdog next two weeks time against Commercial of the Dublin. And, uh, hopefully, we can get our show back on the road. <laughs> Eddie, um, when you're mentioning that tag of underdog, I was listening to you on Scoreline last night when you were chatting to Niall Bergen, and you brought up that point of that uh, Trim are very much underdogs, as to probably one of the first times that Danes Ford would be favourites or something like that along those lines. And Niall kind of seemed to bat it off. But as someone that is a man, yourself does that really fall into into your head do you think that that goes around your squad and going no we're favourites not a bit of arrogance or anything like that a bit of confidence but it doesn't extend out onto the pitch can you feel that permanent within a team if you do have the favourite or underdog tag 
Yeah, yeah I, like, I'll be honest, I personally do. Uh, I know Niall didn't feel it that way, and you know everyone's different, but what I find is sometimes is it, it's us against the world when we're the underdog, and you can go into the dressing room and you can kind of say, you know, no one's given us a chance, and we know who we are as a group. And that's not just lip syncing here, like, that's telling the truth. But when you're the favourite, the problem is, like, the last two weeks, I spent two weeks telling my lads that, you know, these guys have got some excellent hurdles. I told them that the full ball was an excellent hurdle. I told them their goalkeeper was Pat Grace, brilliant keeper. There's their midfielder, Mark Cormack. And I, like, we've done our homework. We knew these were good. But, like, no matter how many times you say it, everywhere the lads go, people are saying, oh, sure, it's only the West Mead team. Oh, sure, you know. And that does, I think it does. It, you know, the players do their best to round that out. Sometimes it gets in and just some of the plays that we made in the first half, and I did say to the lads at half time, and I asked them the question, you know, would they have tried that against Moingap or would they have tried that against Piltown? The answer was no way, because, you know, you'd be punished with goals conceded, and, you know, luckily for us today, Ringtown weren't as rude as someone like Moingap or Piltown would have been. So, you know, I'm not saying it gets too much, but the problem is it can become a little bit complacent. And if you're a little bit complacent in knockout championship, you're in a really dangerous place. Well, Robbie or Eddie, I no doubt you won't be complacent when you're coming up to the next round. Thanks so much for taking the time. I no doubt you might have a, a small little celebration tonight, but we're looking forward to, to following along the journey and continuing to follow along. Congratulations once again today. Brilliant, Jay. No fingers crossed we get another day up, but first thing tomorrow morning anyway, just wish the best of luck to the Blacks and Whites under 22 Camogie team they're up against is Downey so I'll be up there screaming the girls laugh. Actually it was Andy Barco there today he was at Kilkenny Comedy Club delivering a set last night he was telling us he was going to say going up to watch Blacks and Whites. I'm sure he was there was actually I have to say and I mean this as well Shane there was a huge crowd from from, from Scott Foster team there today from Blacks and Whites when we uh hit the front an extra time they lifted the roof off that stand and I did look back and I kind of said to myself my god our, our, our people have had to travel two and a half hours and we definitely outnumbered Ringtown two to one so I'm sure he was one of the people there making up that audience but it was brilliant to see such a great crowd travelling with us and at least they know they're with us on the field as well Unreal Eddie thanks very much I'll chat to you soon Thanks a million Shane talk to you soon bye, Th- bye. Thank you bye Eddie Scully there after a tremendous win 220 to 17 points I'm now joined by a man who came back from Balting Glass I'll be speaking to Mick Quinn very very soon but I got a message that uh, alluded to this man the angry young man Robbie Dowlin and it was a message from Lillian just leaving St Vincent's after a lovely drop of soup we brought with us it's cold up here I hope poor Robbie got something warm you're in your KCLR jacket Robbie did you get something warm in the end? No too busy watching the game not like Lillian off <laughs> drinking teas and coffees and that no I was invested in a really enjoyable game I must say Shane um, oh the Warriors I know was it were, though if you think about it, like when I, I was listening in uh, to your reports Eddie you said 17 minutes no score was that no score because like the teams were being not kind of going full throttle yeah. they were being a bit tepid it was almost like uh, I wouldn't say sparring but feeling each other out is that enjoyable as a spectator uh, the first 10 minutes maybe weren't so much but I think there was a lot of tension you could feel it in the crowd there was a huge crowd I must say um, Eddie alluded to it the Blacks and Whites game there but there was a massive crowd from both Muckley and um, all the wires for today's game it was brilliant to see and I think as you're going to hear some post-match reaction from some of the players and the management team as well. I know yeah, we, we heard, heard from, from Pat, Pat McDowell. Earlier, yeah. yeah, we've heard from the manager Pat McDowell. But every single one of them mentioned the crowd and the occasion being a reason why the game started slow. And I think it really was. I don't think you can um, undersell that enough. But 
also on the flip side the game when it opened up and it did open up after that first goal for all the Warriors they took a that was the first score of the game they got a kind of a goal that bounced in over the head of keeper Neve McDowell very unfortunate from a Muckley point of view it really did open up from there Muckley got five points um, up to half time at that stage and this all happened within a kind of 15 to 18 minute spell while all the Warriors added on another goal and two points of their own so that left three points between the sides at half time and it was a really good game and you could kind of tell there was still that bit of tension in the crowd but they were enjoying it and they were more engaged and invested in the game than they were at the start and I think it was just disappointing how the second half started for Muckley I think that killed it and made it a bit of a dead duck in the sense that as I said it was 2-2 to 5 points and it only took about 5 minutes for all the wires to get their next 2-2 but that was unanswered and that was the key they moved into a 4-4 to 5 point lead it was an 11 point lead at that stage and they just never looked back Muckley endeavoured I have to say that about them they never ever gave up and Pat alluded to it we heard it a little earlier on scoreline the character of the team you could tell as the game went on they didn't drop the heads they didn't give up they were brilliant but it just wasn't to be a disappointing day but as I've said consistently to any of the, any of the people I was chatting to after the game just a brilliant brilliant journey for the club and for the parish Thanks very much uh, Robbie Lillian said they dined after the match as well no doubt on pheasant Some, some of us in case you're high class some of us like <laughs> myself <or? laughs> you, get, you, get, you get takeaways <laughs> and drive throughs No uh, we're going to go and uh, try and get Mick Quinn on the line to talk about all things Ireland and Fiji a whole host of text messages just came in from people um, that were being texted in. Some of them are just saying uh, uh, fair play to Trim. Intermediate grade is always dangerous for Kilkenny, it certainly is. Another one highlighting the fact that Borough have provided the captains of Kilkenny of the senior Kabogi and under 20 All Ireland. Of course, we know that Mark Dowland, Dixborough man, is going into the under 20 intra county setup as manager, joined by JJ Delaney. No, yes. J- yes, JJ Delaney at the under 20 grade. And then Shane, any bets on the World Cup? The King, any idea? The United match. The United match is tomorrow at half four. In regards to the World Cup, me and Robbie will have a bit of a discussion about that soon. I fancy Brazil. He fancies me. We're going to take a quick gap break there. Hopefully, we're going to get Mick Quinn on the line soon. Jerry Welsh, disappointment, but what can you say? Vincent's were just awesome today. Just too good on the day, Martin. Yeah, look, they caught us in the first half with a couple of goals, and look, it was a tough hill to climb back up. But look, we showed our character back in the second half. We came out and we fought tooth and nail for everything, and I, I thought we brought a bit of pride back to ourselves anyway. Well, you certainly did that. I mean, you hit a right purple patch there, getting five points on the trot. Only a point in is coming up to what was it, the 15th minutes of the yeah. first quarter? Like you were well yeah. in the game, but as you say, a couple of goals then uh, just yeah. before half time really set Vincent's up. Really set him up, yeah. Look, and we didn't track coming through the middle. That's what we spoke about work rate and everything like that. And we just got caught for two of them. And then there was a free that she went for, fair play to her. She went for the goal in it. Um, so look, we can't have any complaints here today. They were the better team on the day. I could on the sideline there even roaring and shouting at the girls with simple passes and a pass would go astray or you'd miss a pick up yeah, yeah. frustrating like simple little mistakes cost you a small little bit cost us, it did cost us dearly in the wind up because I mean even a simple mistake for the first goal uh, on our puck out like it was cut out and went back in for the goal like you said just not given the simple ball not given the quick ball where other days we did today whether it was just the scoreline maybe in their heads or whatever but you know it's like when you're in a hole 
just gets deeper and deeper on you uh, things just don't go right for you and, and they just didn't go right for us today not taken away from Vincent's they were superb on the day and hurled really well but it's just our final pass everything just just wasn't there today where it was other days Looking from the sideline in it felt like that you were giving Vincent's a small bit too much respect in the first half Possibly but we didn't go out to do that do you know what I mean uh, we came up here saying like going in against the board the last day we're, we knew we were going to be a huge battle and we were going to have to front up physically from the start which I thought we did but it's just I think lapse of concentration whatever it was I don't know but like the couple of goals just really just killed ourselves. We thought the comeback was on when Eva Hines got that yeah. brilliant goal 30 metres out like yeah. Ashton's was good in the first half but Eva's was twice as good in the second I half super goal, but, but they just came back again they then came and back again do you know what I mean and probably tiredness and everything got to us like we were we were chasing shadows there at some stage near the end there for that last goal uh, do you know and it was just a huge disappointment for that one to go in uh, but look at goals wins matches and they got the goals today and we didn't any day you lose a Leinster semi-final it's tough knowing that there's one spot to get to a final mm. but in fairness to yourself and the whole team it's been a fabulous year and to win the county final to get into Leinster has been a huge bonus for yourselves ah, look it was we said out at the start of the year um, you know and a lot was made of players that, that have gone travelling or have gone off to work abroad like, and they're huge losses like. but we, we said we still had players that were capable of winning the county final and that proved to be if, if we said about things correctly and, and we just worked hard worked hard kept our head down and just Look, we got through um, through some great matches in Kilkenny, through Gordon, then through Clare, and then through the Borough. Like they're all superb games, and it was just I couldn't be prouder of the bunch that's here. Like you know what I mean? I've, I've known a lot of them, and I've been involved with a lot of them for a long number of years, at underage and all the way up. And I mean, every day you go out, uh, they still su- not surprise you, but you're still you know of the the heart and determination and everything that they bring to the game. Well, they which, have great character and fairness. Like they never died, even when the goals and it looked like that that game was gone out your grasp no they never give up and they always keep fighting but I mean I can go back to other days like over the years to fail a semi-finals up in Attenroy and that like where, where they did the exact same like when they were kids and you just were in awe of the, the courage and the bravery they bought and they did again today and Jesus once you have that you have a lot this team is still very young to be fair too yeah. like there's a yeah. lot of young girls to stay here what's the future hold for Thomastown? Future's bright for Thomastown look at it's just it's again coming off of the back of a pandemic and like that like as we said during the summer an awful lot of girls went on holidays which they had to do you know you have to keep your head right mentally you have to keep yourself right uh, but I mean there's a lot of good girls coming through the future's bright for Camogie in general in Kilkenny when you look around at all the other clubs as well but look at Thomastown will be up there thereabouts again next year um, and just need, maybe need to push on um, I hope there's no more no retirements or talk of retirements but you, you never know but look at uh, if they can just kick on and keep going they're always be there thereabouts Well commiserations today it just wasn't to be wasn't in the semi-final but uh, you certainly done the county and yourselves proud and whatever happens next and even with the come on kind team later on with the, a few nominees a that few you have A few nominees there Mark yeah look it was great it was great for the girls uh, just, I was to say to the five that missed out now whatever they did wrong I don't know but <laughs> We never do right with you at all, do we? <laughs> anyway, thanks for that. Martin, there. thanks very much. Mind yourself.
Taggy Fogarty, it's a bit strange for us to be standing in a Dublin pitch talking to you as a coach of an opposition team playing one of our Camogie teams, but you are coach with St. Vincent's and you've done a, what we can only describe as a demolition job on Thomastown today. You were awesome. Good result for you. Ah, yeah, look, it was a good result, yeah. In fairness, we have a great group of girls. Uh, it's as strange as me talking to you up here than, <laughs> and seeing Thomastown getting beat, uh, to be fair. You know, I didn't know which way to look there when the bus was pulling in, but look, that's just sport. Um, bit of a learning curve for myself as well. But look, the girls were just awesome today. If you're always looking for a performance in the semi-final and semi-finals are just kind of for winning, it's, it's not worth anything if you don't win the Leinster final. You got a great start, albeit it took a while for the game to get going. You got a go on a point in quick succession after four minutes, but Thomastown hit a purple patch, five on the bounce. Only a point in it by the first quarter, but you really took off and them couple of goals just before half-time to give you a four, five to six lead really set you up nicely. Yeah, I did, yeah. Look, I think there was a bit of nerves. The game was uh, put off. I think the bus was late. So there was a bit of traffic coming in, so it was 15 minutes. So there was a bit of nerves on both sides, I think. Um, and Thomas and I felt got the better start. And uh, then our girls just kind of opened up. Uh, we got one or two goals on the trot and uh, just kind of kicked on from there. But look, Thomas Town came with a fierce battle. We knew what they were all about. We were down there looking at the Borough game as well. So uh, we knew they were going to be a physical team and that's what we kind of prepared for. Because uh, this time of year, you know, it's not going to be anything magical that's going to win games. It's the fight and the heart, really. Well, you certainly have plenty of fight. Your players seem to be dominant and nearly all over the field especially when you got the goals but I mean when Ashley got that goal from the free did you think at that stage this is going to be our day? Not at all actually you know it's strange being on the sideline I think we're 10 points up and I'm still roaring and shouting at the girls to kind of you know push on and they must be saying will you ever shut up you know but uh, that's it like when you're on the line you don't be looking at the score you just keep on the push and keep going until you hear a final whistle because you just don't know and like Thomason got a late goal there into the top corner there a free from nothing if they got a bit of momentum you just wouldn't know what happened and that's the way Hurling has gone especially you score two three goals in five minutes the game could be over for the opposition but definitely didn't think the game was was over earlier on we said to him it's going to be 60-64 minutes and that's what it was it was like 65 minutes in the end Yeah well I know Eve or Eva Hines got a, a goal there as well a bit like Ashling's one was a, a goal of beauty but he really just pushed on then towards the end and put her tagged on a couple of points and that goal then as well from Ashling Mara I think she got 2-9 in total today phenomenal player uh, Super player yeah Ash is absolutely brilliant and has been all year and attitude is absolutely fantastic you know but uh, I, I think we all over the team uh, the whole team in general and the panel of players you know the 15 can start I know it's a cliche but we literally have 24 girls that can make a difference and the girls themselves will say it it's all about the panel and it's all about the 24 girls that are talking out and like we have obviously great players on the team but we have them all over the place and it's a, it's a combined and it's a unit and that's what it takes to win championships Just three years Taggy since the Dublin team was in the Leinster final what does it mean for Vincent's to be there now either playing Bor or Owlert who are going to play their semi-final tomorrow Yeah that matches on tomorrow Yeah, look it's a fantastic achievement even today was a great occasion for the club itself you know a, um, a, sem- a Leinster semi-final in their own backyard I've never heard of it uh, it was a fantastic occasion the crowd came out so they really liked it they really sapped it up and as you said there's, there's a final next week Owlert or, or Burr we're not too sure who it is we'll probably go down and have a look at it uh, but we're really looking forward to it look Owlert probably be favourites but sure look that, that's, just, that's just on paper If you're down in Kilkenny you think of Vincent's as being a big club I mean we had the likes of Brian Mullins and that playing football up here for Dublin and for years you have Ashling. I mean as you said Neve Hedo has played underage uh, she's been playing ladies football now she's back playing camogie with yourselves but what would it mean for the club here to actually go out and win the Leinster title? 
Ah, look, it's to be fantastic for them. Um, I think they really want to do it. I think um, they haven't been in a final in three years, uh, if I'm correct. Um, I think Thomas actually could have bet them there in, in a final at one stage there by, by pipped them by a pint. Uh, but look, there's a fierce culture up here. There's a fierce tradition. <clears throat> They've had a tough year with uh, a few deaths during the year as well. Uh, you know, you have Dermot Connolly, super footballer. As you said, you have Hedge coming back playing with the hurling for us. It's been massive for the girls and I suppose it's like any team when you're involved with them. You just really want it for them because the effort they've put in, they're back training since last November and they went back themselves. We were up around January and February but it's, it's, it's them nearly pushing us. We can push them as hard as we want but they'll do whatever we want and it's, it's all down to the players. Well, congratulations on a fantastic victory albeit you are on the opposite side of the fence being a kick any man but we certainly wish you very best of luck in the final. Thanks very much. With Muckalee player Rebecca Roach after their Leinster Junior final defeat to Oda Wires 4 8 to 7 points, have finished here in Bald and Glass. Rebecca, um, disappointed, I suppose, the overwhelming emotion after today's game? Yeah, definitely disappointed. We probably didn't play to our full potential, but sure, look, we'll go again next year. Hopefully, we'll be back in the same spot and we'll hopefully do it again. Is that the frustration, maybe, that a lot of people have alluded to? Maybe that he didn't put in as good a performance as he could have done? Yeah, I definitely feel like we probably, maybe it's just first time nerves like we've never been in this kind of position before so I suppose it's new for us the whole like big stadium big like introduction to the president and like yeah. that on Naveen like I suppose it's like it just builds up on the nerves everyone's you know nervous to start off with and then that just adds to it and seeing all the spectators on this like the hill on the side like it was amazing to see all the people but it was still like it just makes the nerves go twice as high so I suppose it's just nerves basically and got the better of us on the day Yeah, How important are those nerves because all those little factors that you wouldn't even think of watching on kind of meeting the president or on a V in moment silence and then to add in the massive crowd that was here today does that play a huge factor as a player? Yeah because I suppose like being girls we're not used to these big stadiums big crowds and national anthem even is, is a big like step up because like, we play club games and there's no national anthem there's no meeting the president so you know nerves are good obviously but just the build up itself like it can get the better of people sometimes And do you think all this stuff you mentioned it there that maybe unfortunately female sports people don't get the same support as male sports people a lot of the time do you think stuff like this can become more than norm because the crowd here today was amazing and the quality on show was equally amazing so that you know, more people go out and see these games they can realise that there's a hell of a showcase there to watch yeah I definitely think if there's more kind of promotion of the sport and ladies Gaelic football as a whole I think more people will be involved because we've seen like lads from our own hurling club coming up and supporting us like not just for us but just to support the ladies Gaelic football like it's it's amazing to see like and there's friends of friends and family members coming up to see it and they mightn't have even ever watched a football match before but they come out and support us on days like this so I think just more promotion and like everyone getting together and getting behind the clubs and the parishes that they're from and just football will grow from strength to strength and all that and how enjoyable I suppose we talk about the pressures of playing sports but how enjoyable was the run the whole way up to the final Rebecca getting to travel with you know your friends fellow players it must have been an incredible kind of uh, couple of weeks and months yeah we've never experienced it because all our last run last year we had one home game and one away game and of course it ended then but we've got a good fair share of runs around the county and you know bus journeys they're they're great for the team bonding because I feel like we've all like gotten so much closer as a team now we're all much closer we get on better and you know we get to know each other clo- like better because we're spending these hours two hours on buses and then back home we're celebrating music is going so like you know we're having the crack but we're also getting the job done 
the same time but obviously job wasn't done today but we go again next year yeah and you will of course go again next year I think that's a sentiment that's been shared by most people involved uh, with the team but you know you mentioned last year maybe it didn't go as far as it did this year is there a real feeling that you can kick on again now and go one step further maybe even further again yeah definitely we're using these as little building blocks you know steps on the ladder and all that but one of one of the girls Kelly she said in the dressing room that Ronan was talking to her last year and he said by the time he's 50 we'll have a Leinster final one so that's our goal so next year is the year we're going to do it yes, so yes, yes. yeah that's that's the plan for next year anyways certainly is the plan and hopefully we'll be there to uh, see you go the whole way and lift a couple Rebecca until then thanks very much for your thank time thank you very today. much thank you I'm with Muckalee player Ellen Lawler after their Leinster Junior football final defeat to Oda Wires. Um, Ellen, commiserations first of all. A disappointing day at the end of a remarkable run to the final. Yeah, thanks a million. It's, it's been an emotional few weeks, but today I suppose our main objective was to win and that just didn't happen for us, so we're going to be positive about it and think about next year already and think third time lucky maybe for us in a Leinster Championship. Where does the disappointment stem from, Ellen? Do you feel as though, I mean, it was a 13-point uh, game, but as, as I said to a lot of people here today, it didn't feel like that at all. It felt a lot closer. Is there a disappointment maybe that you didn't take your chances or is it a case of maybe conceding too much? How do, how do you reflect on the game? I think we just couldn't get used to how they played their defence. I think none of us really performed as we wanted to like we'd all say that ourselves to hold up our hands I think the nerves definitely played a big game having a big crowd there we're probably not used to that compared to the Dublin team so I think just nerves played too much of a big game we weren't we weren't scoring and we were letting in two easy chances so that's kind of what happened today I mean there was a huge crowd here how much do nerves play a factor because I suppose it's not something that maybe you take into account looking from the outside in but it was such a huge occasion I mean they must have played a huge factor in the build up particularly at the start of the game yeah I think a lot of people are different for me like I before the game I was more nervous but the minute I kind of got on the field everything's just noise in the background but I think for other people they're fine before the match and then they go on and it's tougher for them so it's, it just really depends on the person so everybody has a rough time with the nerves I suppose and the start of the second half particularly Ellen it was 2-5 to um, or 2-2 two, two to 5 points I should say at half time 3 points in it oh the Warriors were leading and then they get 2-2 two, two on answer to go 4-4 four, four to 5 points up was that the winning and losing of the game it seems to be what a lot of people think yeah I definitely think that I think when I saw that last goal go in the third goal before the fourth goal I was thinking sure look like may as well just finish out the match as well as he can probably knew that we weren't going to come back the way we did last weekend because we had or two weekends ago we had 30 minutes to come back and I think that was there's only 10 or 15 minutes left at that stage so he doesn't already come back from four goals to a few points you know and I've been speaking to a lot of Muckalee people obviously after the game Ellen and while everyone is disappointed I mean there's a sense of huge achievement here because to get to a junior football final a club from Kilkenny to come together and get this far it really has been a remarkable year hasn't it yeah it definitely has I think you have to be glass half full when it comes to these sort of things like even when the match was over like I don't not a lot of us were crying or upset because I think we have to take into consideration how well we have played all year and look how far we've actually come for a Kilkenny team and like maybe next year we can finally put the cherry on top of the cake and finish it off look forward to that I suppose and is that something that you can and look forward to now you see this sort of occasion that it was here a huge crowd from both um, sets of, set of supporters but particularly the Muckalee one travelling in force I must say and to get back here and go on better again it must be a huge goal going forward now 
Yeah, it definitely is a goal because I think we knew today we didn't perform and I feel like if we actually did perform, maybe we would have put up a better match to them. So I think that's what we need to work on next year is just when it comes down to the championship, we don't know the teams. Kenny might play better because we know how the teams play. So I think we really need to work on that, on sussing out how they play straight away and actually getting into the match from the get-go instead of sitting back kind of. So I think that's happened to us in the last three matches now. Well, Ellen, hard luck today, but again, congratulations on what was a wonderful year with Muckley. Thanks, million. I'm with Muckley Gaelic football, ladies Gaelic football manager Pat McDowell after their Leinster Junior Football final defeat to Oda Wires today in Baldwin Glass. Pat, um, not the end to the journey that you would have wanted in the provincial championship, but a brilliant journey nevertheless. But today, disappointing. Um, disappointing, Robert. Yeah, yeah. Um... I don't really know what to say, Robert, to be honest with you. Probably the scoreline definitely didn't reflect the game. Like, in fairness, we we drove on characteristic wides. We didn't release the ball, I suppose. Hey, maybe nerves played a part of it. I don't know, Robert. I don't know. But I don't know how to analyse that game, really. They got a couple of soft goals, I suppose. And I don't know. I, I'm not sure what way to say it to you. Um, but our girls, we're proud of them, and that's the big thing. I think they're representing Kenny unbelievable in this championship. All away games, as you know yourself, and we came through them all, and hopefully we'll be back next year to finish the job. Well, we'll talk about that brilliant run uh, in due course, but just to go back to the game, Pat, three points in at a half time, 2-2 two, two to five points. How important was that quick start that they made? But they got two goals and two points. I think you would unanswered, and ultimately, maybe is that where the game was won and lost? A hundred percent killed us, Robert. Killed us. Yeah, that that we needed that really, and we needed a start. We needed to stop them having to start because we looked at halftime that two two up, and in our eyes, two two was not a great score. You know what I mean? It's four it's four shots. Now our first goal was very very soft to give away. The first goal we conceded was very soft, and probably the third goal was a soft goal as far as that goes. Um, we needed to start. Um, I, I can't say that we turned off for it, but definitely we didn't. We weren't. We weren't focused enough at the start of the second half. We we needed to make it really tough on them at the start of the second half. We didn't do that. We we gave them a couple of handy scores and and they built on it. Like with, and I suppose we probably took over in the last fifteen minutes. But I looked down the pitch and there was two of their players in in. From the from the midfield in, so they had you had to get by thirteen, and we just weren't able to do that, you know. And just to to go on about about the journey, Pat, because as I said, today is disappointing, but it's been absolutely incredible from the county championship onwards into the provincial campaign. It's been amazing to see what you've done. How much will this do for the the whole club now? Because you see the crowd here today; it's it's amazing the turnout for Muckalee um, up to support you. It's just the atmosphere around the club has been electric ever since you've gone on this run. Well, I think from the whole parish for the last two weeks they talked about nothing else. I don't know that. I don't know that we were expected to get here. We, as I said, we had hard we had hard games in away pitches, but we came through them all. And I just think for the last two weeks everyone is talking football, and like in any community for everyone to be talking football is crazy, really. But that's what these girls have done, and the, and it is the girls that have done this. And they had a, they had a tough day today, but they'll bounce back. I know their character; they'll bounce back. Yeah, they have tremendous character, it must be said. But I know, what, what's your opinion on the away day games too, Pat? Because some people have said to me that's really bonded the team together, all the journeys. But nevertheless, it is a lot of travelling. How, how have you found that? 
well, I always say to the girls, no matter whether you're whether you're playing in Kilkenny or playing away or playing in Leinster, it doesn't matter. A peach is a peach. We always look at it that way. The crowd might be noisy. The crowd here today was very noisy from Dublin, but I. Once you cross the white line, like, I don't see, I don't see a difference. Now, what it does incur is a lot of expense on a club. And in fairness, we had Churchgate collections there, and the community just came behind us so well as far as donations were made to the club. And I'd like to thank them publicly for that. The community really, really got behind us of Mukalee, Coon, and Balafail, and outside, and outside. I'd have to say. Is that something that needs to be taken into account by the powers that be, do you think, moving forward for small rural clubs like Muckley? I mean, it is a lot of expenses. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Well, in fairness, our girls paid their own expenses, paid their own bus up for the first three games and we, we went for grub after each match and they paid that as well and never cribbed. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's why... That's this bunch of girls. Like, there's no, there's no hold back on them that way. They just, they do what they have to do, and they do it for the love of football. And that's 100 percent the way it is. And just saying on a positive note, Pat. I mean, Leinster final historic achievement, winning the county championship again back to back after last year's success. While it's not the end that you wanted, as I said, it's been an absolutely incredible year for everyone associated with the club, hasn't it? Oh, unbelievable! Yeah. And now we get back into our local championship. We still have a, we still have a, a Shield semi final to play. We have a. We have two teams in the parish this year, and we have a Shield semi-final to play in that. We have a minor semi-final to play against the Rail Yard, and we have Dunamagan to play in a in a league final, a, a, in an A league final. So there's plenty of football yet. Plenty of football. Certainly yet. is. Well, Pat McDowell, commiserations today, but congratulations on a wonderful year and for everything that you brought to the parish of Muckley. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks a million, and appreciate your work for us. Thank you. Cheers. Jerry Welsh, disappointment, but what can you say? Vincent's were just awesome today. Just too good on the day, Martin. Yeah, look, they caught us in the first half for a couple of goals, and look, it was a tough hill to climb back up. But look, we showed our character back in the second half. We came out, we fought tooth and nail for everything, and I, I thought we brought a bit of pride back to ourselves anyway. Well, you certainly did that. I mean, you hit a right purple patch there, getting five points on the trot. Only a point in it coming up to, what was it, the 15th minutes of the yeah. first quarter? Like, you were well yeah. in the game, but as you say, a couple of goals then uh, just yeah. before half time really set Vincent's up. Really set him up, yeah. Look, and we didn't track coming through the middle. That's what we spoke about, work rate and everything like that. And we just got caught for two of them. And then there was a free that she went for, fair play to her, she went for the goal in it. Um, so, look, we can't have any complaints here today. They were the better team on the day. I could see on the sideline there even roaring and shouting at the girls with simple passes and a pass would go astray or you'd miss a pick up yeah, yeah. frustrating like simple little mistakes cost you a small little bit cost us, it did cost us dearly in the wind up because I mean even a simple mistake for the first goal uh, on our puck out like it was cut out and went back in for the goal like you said just not given the simple ball not given the quick ball where other days we did today whether it was just the scoreline maybe in their heads or whatever but you know it's like when you're in a hole just gets deeper and deeper on you uh, things just don't go right for you and, and they just didn't go right for us today not taken away from Vincent's they were superb on the day and hurled really well but it's just our final pass everything just just wasn't there today where it was other days Looking from the sideline in it felt like that you were giving Vincent's a small bit too much respect in the first half Possibly but we didn't go out to do that do you know what I mean uh, we came up here saying like going in against the board the last day we knew we were going to be a huge battle and we were going to have to front up physically from the start which I thought we did 
did but it's just I think lapse of concentration whatever it was I don't know but like the couple of goals just really just killed ourselves. We thought the comeback was on when Eva Hines got that yeah. brilliant goal 30 metres out like yeah. Ashton's was good in the first half but Eva's was twice as good in the second half super goal but, but they just came back again they then came and back again do you know what I mean and probably tiredness and everything got to us like we were we were chasing shadows there at some stage near the end there for that last goal uh, do you know and it was just a huge disappointment for that one to go in uh, but look at goals wins matches and they got the goals today and we didn't any day you lose a Leinster semi-final it's tough knowing that there's one spot to get to a final but in fairness to yourself and the whole team it's been a fabulous year and to win the county final to get into Leinster has been a huge bonus for yourselves Ah look it was we said that was the start of the year um, you know and a lot was made of players that, that have gone travelling or have gone off to work abroad like, and they're huge losses like. but we, we said we still had players that were capable of winning the county final and that proved to be if, when, if we said about things correctly and, and we just worked hard worked hard kept our head down and just Look, we got through um, through some great matches in Kilkenny, through Gordon, then through Clare, and then through the Borough. Like they were all superb games, and it was just I couldn't be prouder of the bunch that's here. Like you know what I mean? I've, I've known a lot of them, and I've been involved with a lot of them for a long number of years at underage and all the way up. And I mean, every day you go out, uh, they still su- not surprise you, but you're still you know of the the heart and determination and everything that they bring to the game. Well, they which, have great character and fairness. Like they never died, even when the goals and it looked like that that game was gone out your grasp no they never give up and they always keep fighting but I mean I can go back to other days like over the years to fail a semi-finals up in Attenroy and that like where, where they did the exact same like when they were kids and you just were in awe of the, the courage and the bravery they bought and they did again today and Jesus once you have that you have a lot this team is still very young to be fair to yeah. you like there's a yeah. lot of young girls that's there what's the future hold for Thomastown future's bright for Thomastown look at it's just it's again coming off of the back of a pandemic and like that like as we said here in the summer an awful lot of girls went on holidays which they had to do you know you have to keep your head right mentally you have to keep yourself right uh, but I mean there's a lot of good girls coming through the future's bright for Camogie in general in Kilkenny when you look around at all the other clubs as well but look at Thomastown will be up there thereabouts again next year um, and just need, maybe need to push on um, I hope there's no more no retirements or talk of retirements but you, you never know but look at if they can just kick on and keep going they'll always be there thereabouts Well commiserations today it just wasn't to be wasn't in the semi-final but uh, you certainly done the county and yourselves proud and whatever happens next and even with the Come On Kinds team later on with the, a few nominees yeah, a that few you have nominees there Mark yeah look it was great it was great for the girls uh, just, I was to say to the five that missed out now whatever they did wrong I don't know but <laughs> We never do right with you at all, do we? <laughs> anyway, thanks for that. Martin, thanks very much. Mind yourself. Kieran Walsh. Kieran, how are you doing, sir? Good, Shane. All good, thank you. Very, very uh, busy weekend, I'd imagine, for you. Prepper, prepper, preparing, I should say. Easy for me to say. For next week. Yeah, it's been hectic enough. Yeah, look, we 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 met up at nine o'clock this morning. There had a good had a good training, and then did some analysis then on. Uh, Castletown for me so with a good turnout um, a couple of injuries now building into next week but we'll be hopeful at least one of them will clear up but um, no the lads are hungry and you know great energy in the group again and we just can't wait to go next Saturday can't come soon enough to be honest uh, before we kind of delve into the Castletown game in itself first of all to reflect on last weekend's win over Straffan how impressive was a performance was that from your team? You were training at halftime by a single point. Eventually, they extended the lead by three, I think. Was there a cause of concern, or were you quite comfortable in, in how it was going to turn out? 
Uh, to be honest, we, we, we probably played very well in patches, but there was there was periods of game like Strath and Kildare County Champions were always going to pose their own threats and were going to have periods of dominance. And to be honest with you, we, we would have been a little bit unhappy at half time with just our energy levels and stuff. We felt we were only still in gear two or three and we felt we had a lot more in the tank. So, um, look, we, we had the wind in that in the second half as well and we, we pressed up a lot higher on them as well. So, look, I think we, we, we went a long period without scoring, which was a slight concern at the time. But once I think Luke Connolly chipped in with a, a very good score and Shane, Shane got a good score soon after, we, we kind of took over, to be honest. And, and as we've done throughout the year, we've we managed to tag on a few quick scores in, in a short period of time and we never looked back, to be honest. And we finished the, finished the game like a train, but obviously going into next Saturday, um, we'd, we'd be hoping for a more consistent, higher level of performance over the 60 minutes. Yeah. By and large, we're, we're happy, happy with the result, but definitely room for improvement. Considering the scoreline in that game against Straffan, was there a conscious decision changed up in the second half to particularly look for goals? Uh, Owen Conley, Jake Hickey grabbing those crucial goals in the game. Like, Was that something that was an instruction from yourself, or do you just take it as they come? Um, to be honest, it's, it's, it's a collective. It's just one of the principles of, of, of our team. You know, it, 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 We encourage the lads to express themselves, and obviously... If, if the break lines or opportunities present themselves, you know, we, 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 we always encourage them to go for the juggler. Um, I suppose in the second half of that game, it probably lent it to itself the fact we, we pressed up much higher as well. Like one of Strathland's main strengths from, from seeing a few of their games is their long kick out. There's a serious good keeper and Rob Kelly is centre forward and John Tracy who got the Kildare player of the year like that. And, and they go long on kickers. So we're quite conscious of just uh, not exposing ourselves to that in the first half as well. But no, look, we said like once games open up and stuff, we, we do have a number of goal threats throughout the team. So it was pleasing from that end because even against Cratton Oaks in the, in the first round from Longford, we would have created maybe three, four, five goal chances, especially early on. And we didn't take them. So from that point of view, it was pleasing just to see us being back a bit more clinical in front of us. And considering then the score in that game, it was a, it was a low scoring affair. But on your opposition now next week, Castledown, had an 18-point win over Lara in the quarterfinals, scoring 219 in the process. Big win, but you could argue that they somewhat ran away with it. Does the tougher game, does that stand to you more than maybe them having the game turned into a bit of a challenge match towards the end? Uh, it's hard to know, to be honest. Uh, like, obviously, that was their first match in Leinster. I think they had a bye in the first round, whereas we've had two tough games, which, you know, you can't beat games this time of the year. And it, it, from our point of view, it's that, that's the best preparation we can get. Um, I suppose looking at that Lara game, I, I know Lara quite well from, from Wicklow. Like, and I think they were level at half-time, as far as I know, and Ockham can be a windy place at the best of times. And it just seemed like... Castletown got a squeeze in them in the second half and completely took over. And you know, like any me team coming down to, to play Carlo are probably going to be favourites um, coming into it. But you now we're well aware of Castletown. They're a good team. There's a couple of serious scores in the forwards, uh, Kevin Ross and Declan Cribben, uh, who've been knocking around me panels. So we're under no illusion of the quality of opposition that faces us. But look, as I said to the lads, uh, overall we're in bonus territory now and we're just really looking forward to it and the big thing for us coming into this week is ourselves and I think um, if Tom Morgan folks on getting a 60 minute performance we'll be, we'll be there thereabouts we'll be our best so that's, that's the big focus from our end coming into this week just to make sure the lads' heads are right and you know, they're, they're, they're well set up and they all know their roles and role clarity but I think um, if, if, if our lads perform to their capabilities will certainly be very competitive I'd be hopeful it was a money week, weekend last weekend for three Mead teams in Leinster Rathod, Dunshockland, Castletown all coming away successful on the other hand there's only one Carlo team left now in the provincial football championship and that's ye does that weigh on your shoulders at all? 
be honest, not at all. Um, I never even thought of it like that, to be honest. Uh, I suppose all, all, all the pressure on our shoulders was lifted once we got over the line in the replay against Lachlan Bridge. Because, yeah. To be honest, there would have been a lot of external and internal pressure just to get over the line and deliver on that. And sure, look, we, 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 we came good in the replay. So, look, we, we, the, our motto coming into the Leinster campaign was just to do ourselves justice, really, and, and, and attack that first game. And, you know, doors can open for you then. And look, it was... It was you can get momentum and the fairness. We didn't really know because the team is quite young. What way to come back in after winning the county final? Just bringing them back down to the reality and getting back to used to working hard again. But in fairness, the lads they made a, a commitment themselves that they were going to give it a hundred percent and and all invest in it. And to be honest with you, from that that point of view, uh, as being so pleasing from a management point of view, the lads, you know, we're quite a young team. It's probably nine or ten lads away in college as well at the minute. And, it's, it's tough going, but they're, 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 they're still committing and they're, they're always asking for more, and that's been a trait throughout the team this year. So, uh, no, we don't see any pressure at all, to be honest with you. Um, like, we just see it as a massive opportunity, you know, and obviously the lads take great pride in representing Carlo and that as well. So, I suppose from our, our, our end, we're just focused all, all throughout the year. I think the, the Catalan game will be our 27th match of the year, and be it a challenge match or a league match in Division 3 in Carlo or the Junior A Championship. We've literally took it game by game this year and approached every game the same. So I think that process will stand us in good stead and it has stood us in good stead in the, in the previous two rounds. So we won't be changing anything from our end as regards preparation. And as long as we the, the, the group, as I said, the, the, the shackles are off now and they're just playing with that bit more uh, freedom and expression, which is great to see as well. And there's not much change in regards to venue either. Granog and Stratford are... All coming to county grounds, and again now on the nineteenth, me junior champions Castle Down. How much of an advantage is that home draw, if at all? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, look, all county grounds is much of a muchness now. But I suppose from an intrinsic point of view, it's been fantastic for Clonmore because it's been a bit of a graveyard. Only chatting to Philip there, um, who's on the management team, and his son is mass centre back in the team, and he was saying he never won a championship game in Network Cullen Park before this year. And he's 22, 23 years of age. So, like, from, from that from that end alone, uh, Clamore has benefited greatly. Like, I think this could be our fifth or sixth match in Netwatch Cullen this year, in, in, in the latter end of the year. And it, it's been great. And the lads are just delighted to get the chance to play there in the county grounds. And, look, you'd, you'd hope it'd be worth a couple of points swings here, just not being on a bus for two hours and, and obviously being familiar with the pitch and the, the layout and everything as well. It, it, it can only be a benefit. And to be honest, I, I would have... Uh, fleetingly checked the, the draw at the start once we won the championship and I did notice home games throughout for, for, for Tom Moore so look it, it can only be an advantage you know and it's been it's been brilliant but as I said at this stage of the year we, we, we play the match anywhere now to be honest to get a chance for the Leinster final but no we're delighted seeing that what's Cullen Park I have to say Brilliant and uh, just before I let you go now Kieran, I I seen that uh, your fellow Balting Glassman Paul Garrigan he has a bit of a Mees and Castletown connection albeit it's Mees LGFA and Wexford's Castletown but having someone like that in your is he in your ear at all it must be a bit of a boost Ah look it's fantastic so look Paul's credentials speak for themselves to be honest Paul's an old castle man from, from, from Mead originally and uh, he obviously would have married into the area uh, many years ago and he came down and he, like, I, 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 I was lucky enough to work with Paul Probably ten years ago, when he, he kind of started the ladies' club at home, the own club in Balsingas, and you know we 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 we've worked together for many years since. And uh, Paul is fantastic, you know. He's an absolutely outstanding coach, and anything he puts his hand to, you know, he uh, he, he 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 does absolutely fantastic work. And you know, the lads having him in the background there has been obviously a, a fantastic boost to the lads. Just knowing that Paul has been there and he's done that and he's achieved so much success with 
Mead ladies and obviously Town of Wexford and obviously before that when we were working together with Balding Glass men's senior team. So no, look, Paul is, is fantastic and obviously wishing the best going in with Mead men's this year with Colm O'Rourke. So he's He's obviously a, a very busy man, but you know it's only Clonmore's advantage to have a, a man of that caliber in the background. So we're we're delighted to have him there. Well, hopefully he'll uh, remain busy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please God, yeah. As I said, uh, he's coming up against his own county now. But look, there's 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 no better man to have in your team than Paul. Uh, sure, we had Tom Mullally going up against Glenmore last year. It was heartbreaking for him. But yeah. uh, thanks so much for taking the call. Um, I was, we're very well aware it's going to be a busy time for you, so we really appreciate you getting a chance to have a chat with us here and talking about your preparations coming up. We're looking forward to the game. Thanks so much. No problem, Shane. Delighted to take the call. Thank you. Thank you very much, Clonmore manager Kieran Walsh, ahead of Clonmore going up against Meads. Castleton. We're looking forward to it here on Scoreline. You should be too. Coming up to the news at four, but lots coming up after that as well. We will be talking to Mullinavat chairman, John Joe Aylward. He's going to be talking more football as well. We'll have post-match reaction from St Mullins and from Shamrock. So we'll also be chatting by John Paul Payne, who is going to be discussing the upcoming World Cup in Qatar from a perspective of a member of the LGBTQI plus community. Lots still to come. We're going to keep talking about LGFA and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Sarah Doyle after she was named in the TG4 Junior Ladies Football Team of the Year following a stellar year with Ed Burke's side. Sarah, thanks very much for coming on. Oh, no, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, first of all, as I just mentioned, uh, you mentioned you got into the TG4 Junior Team of the Year thanks to your exploits with Carlo. How proud were you to make the team? Uh, yeah, it was actually brilliant. I was completely unexpected. It was brilliant as well that Rachel got on it, so it's great to see two of us heading up from Carlo. Yeah, just amazing to see. Um, in, in in terms of the actual season as a whole, though, you lost to Antrim in this year's All Ireland semi final. I know individual and team things. Everyone that plays them, they prefer to do well with the team. But does this somewhat kind of make up for the disappointment of that result you may have felt? No, it definitely doesn't. Like. But it's football for the team and the like I'd hundred percent rather be playing in Crow Park last July than be up in Crow Park last weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you feel as though though now with Ed um that there's a foundation in place to go better again next year? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like we've been back training now the last week and every single girl like coming back in, there's nearly forty of us now. <laughs> and we all have one focus and that's to win the All Ireland Junior next year. And how have you found kind of getting back into the swing of things at an inter-county perspective? Um, yeah, it's been good. Like, I've been playing away up in the college in UCD. So I kind of been tipping over along with them and then getting back with the girls has been great. Like, it is early to be getting back, but the league does start quick enough after Christmas, so we want to get a good base in there. But with colleges and inter-county and club as well, and we'll touch on the, the, the great year with old Lachlan as well, is there ever a bit of burnout that you might feel if you're up in college and you're travelling? Do you ever feel a bit kind of like, oh, wow. And then by getting in the team of the year, that just shows what you're all doing it for. Yeah, like I suppose it's been great as well with my manager in college. Like two of them have been in contact and they've been managing my load, especially now, like, Getting back in with the county, like Ed, I'm only training twice a week with the county and then twice with UCD, so that's been good. Just managing that, like, because I don't want to pick up any injuries this time of the year. 
Is there a, Graham getting out of the air. Is there, is there a difference in, in, in the way you, you'll approach each each kind of discipline that you're involved in? Is there a different when you're going into an inter-county game, when you're better relationships with different players, and then when you're coming into a college where you're going up against these players at an inter-county level or indeed a club level? Not really. Like I suppose college is different because you're playing with girls who are playing like senior county football, like there's girls from Mayo, Monaghan, Cavan, Tipperary. So it's great like, to get experience playing against them as well. But each game you kind of approach the same. You're going out there doing your best for the team, trying to do whatever you can to help the team. And when you're going out there to kind of help the team, obviously you don't have that individual perspective on your mind, but you're showcasing talent that is really standing out above everyone else in certain aspects. So what part of your game do you think is, is kind of been accentuated to the people that are making these teams of the year? I suppose, like, I'm lucky enough, like, in Carlo and that, that I play in forwards and the ball coming into me is good. And I tend good, like, I'm quite good at scoring and taking shots and I'd be quite quick as well. So, but again, like, if you're not playing with good players, it's hard to look good. And especially in the forwards, it's the work, like, get the ball up to me and like to Rachel as well, that helps us. So is speed really like the most kind of, when you're training for different things, is speed kind of something that you're 100% focused on? Because that doesn't just come with training then. There's a lot of stuff that you'll have to do off the field to continue that. Yeah, I would. like And my shooting as well. Like Even last year, I've been really trying to focus in and get my left foot as good as my right, which it probably still isn't yet. But... No, like even when I was younger, I used to always do a lot of athletics, so that really stands to me now. When I'm older and moving on, I still always kind of have that natural speed, so to help because, like, even people would say, speed kills, so good to have it <laughs> it certainly is it certainly is and then nutrition wise then when you're when you're coming up to that to, there's different things that you're going to need to put in your body whether like when I was playing soccer I was almost like a the, the bruiser kind of of the team so I didn't necessarily have to be very fast but I knew I had to know how to you know shoulder someone off a ball or something like that uh, when the nutrition comes in do you have a, a, a set program out because with the influx of sports scientists in the game nowadays, it's, it's almost become at a professional level in everything but name. Even in colleges, you're, you're talking about someone handling your workload, but they're going to be handling and helping with your nutrition to try and get the best out of you. Yeah, like I suppose I moved up to college last year, the first year, and my, my nutrition probably declined a lot. It wasn't great. Uh, just first moving up, I was kind of... First time even alone and all. I was one. I I was in the same boat and I wasn't playing. It believe me, it everybody does it. Yeah. So now this year we've actually got a nutritionist on board. Breeding nutrition is their name, and like we're starting to get really honing on that this year. So that'll be something I'll be hoping to improve on a lot. So what's the plans then for next year? Colleges, club and inter-county. Are you trying, aiming to win it all or do you have to temper your expectations, just go out and enjoy it, play your game, focus on that? Uh, no, I think I'll be aiming to win it all. Like <laughs> We were unlucky this year with the club. We lost the county finals to Rogue. And we were very, it was a very close game. So hopefully now the intermediate county final will be on the horizons. The junior All-Ireland with Carlo and then with UCD. We're not really like going as well as we'd want to be at the minute but the O'Connor Cup is kicking in after Christmas so that's what I'll be focused on as well 
Well, we'll be following along your journey, Sarah. Thanks ever so much. And once again, congratulations on getting on the TG4 team of the year. You know we love our soccer here. Myself and Robbie were debating the World Cup yesterday from a footballing perspective, but there's a lot more issues going on with this World Cup. You may have watched the FIFA Uncover documentary on Netflix recently and outlined some of the shady dealings of different countries getting World Cups. Uh, Argentina in 76 after being run by a dictatorship. Uh, quite harrowing watching to be honest with you considering that a sport so pure can be manipulated in that way and that's what people think are happening with this World Cup of course it is being held in Qatar Sepp Blatter recently came out and said they should have never got it I don't know if that's because they didn't have the infrastructure because they had to move the whole footballing calendar or because of human rights issues uh, lots of different labourers are being brought over there and allegedly not being treated well but one thing that is confirmed is that Qatar will not change any of their laws in regards to the LGBTQI plus community joining me now here is Mr John Paul Payne John thanks very much for joining us Hi thanks for having me John you, you admittedly said that you're not the massive the biggest football fan in the world yeah. Yeah, I think people would be very shocked to hear me on the show today because I have got two left feet. Um, but I do have uh, soccer in my, well, I'll say I have soccer history. So my mother was the, um, one of the founding committee members of New York Boys. Oh, very nice. Um, and I was one of the very first goalkeepers in New York Boys. Oh, very good. So, they did very well against Collection there on Friday night. I'd have, I'll let you know. Well, nil. But um, <laughs> it, the, is it, the football isn't really why we're here to talk. No. Um, we're, we're here to talk about the, the issues that I outlined there. Um, in regards to Qatar and in regards to their, their human rights issues and their relationship with the, the LGBTQI plus community, basically it doesn't fall under their religious parameters. They're yeah. saying people that go over there, they need to respect their culture. However, people within the Western civilization said this isn't good enough. It's not good enough to, to have a World's Cup when FIFA have been championing different organisations and equality throughout it to be able to have a World Cup where people are still persecuted. Yeah, um, I, I'll i break that up into a few things, what you've mentioned there. I guess the first thing I want to say about this is I was never a fan of Qatar anyway, so I'm not coming here um, after learning anything new. Um, I did do some research for today's show, but uh, from 2013, I have boycotted transit through airlines, through Doha, uh, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, so I will reroute my complete, complete itinerary uh, to avoid those countries. And, uh, I, and part of your job is to be able to travel as well in, yeah. in regards to that. So it, it isn't like me saying, oh, I'm never going to Qatar because I never would yeah. end up... You travel quite a bit. Yeah, so like for my previous jobs, I have had to do worldwide travel for work. Um, and that has been an issue before but I am staunch and I'm sticking to my guns I will not travel to, or give any of those countries direct money from my pocket anyway um, so that's give, give that as a, as a precursor to what I'm about to say <laughs> um, so I suppose if people don't know about FIFA World Cup um, and it's been held obviously in Qatar this year um, FIFA I would say have a little bit of a, a job to do anyway when it comes to like their human rights things and what they want to close their eyes to this isn't the first time they're, they're involved in controversy when it comes to human rights on the ground um, they 
seemed to be very radio silent before the game they allowed the players to say they love football but the likes of the directors and the people who were head FIFA they're the ones who are really in it for the money so you know when you look at this um, online you research online non-stop what keeps popping up is the deals they're doing so the deals seem to be the big news for their company and they seem to do anything to make sure those deals go through now um, I think that this this World Cup which hasn't been held yet could be the knife in the side of FIFA that they find very hard to get rid of um, I don't think any country who's going to participate in this well most country, European countries will really be very proud to take home a, a cup from Qatar. I don't know if you could look at that cup in the future and say that's something that was well earned. People have lost their lives. Thousands of people have lost their lives. The Qatari government have completely backtracked on that and uh, this and said that it didn't. But the embassies that are based in Qatar, in Doha, they have recorded migrant debts um, for their families. People have spent a lot of money to get to those countries. Like, for instance, there's a couple from Nepal who uh, got... $10,000 from a loan shark to get the, the father there. He have six kids. Um, the father died. He's there 10 years. The father died um, of high heat stroke, heart attack from heat stroke, which isn't um, actually defined in Qatari law as a migrant debt. He didn't die on a job. Even though it wasn't a job, he didn't die from... Now, we should confirm as well in regards to migrant debts. Basically, there was no infrastructure in Qatar to host yeah. the World Cup. So they had to, since it was announced that it was going to be there, build a lot of stadia. Yeah. So basically, that person died has a family still in Nepal and but those loan sharks still need their money. Yeah. So we have this kind of this kind of thing that's been created in the Middle East that a lot of people are invested in and it's not for the positive. And when it comes to why I'm here for LGBTQI plus conversation, I guessed it, you know, I am a part of Carla Pride Festival. I'm the chairperson for the festival. Um, and our group is a member of the European Pride Organizer Association and Interpride. So we are well aware of what happens around the world when it comes to human rights issues against LGBT plus people. Um, and more often than not, the Middle East is always brought up. So Qatar is nothing new on the world of uh, human rights issues. Uh, human Rights Watch recently came out with a publication stating the facts of what happens to LGBT plus people that live in Qatar. Um, and that is a very harrowing read. State-sponsored conversion therapies, yeah. uh, possible stonings. It's it basically, it's uh, the refuse to repeal laws criminalising same-sex relationships. And coming out there recently, uh, Khalid Salam, who is a 2022 FIFA Qatar World Cup ambassador, described same-sex relationships as a damage in the mind. Uh, a TV channel to a TV channel in Germany. He also remarked that. That type of relationship is haram, which is Arabic for forbidden. Yes. So this is an ambassador yeah. for the FIFA World Cup. Yeah. This is this is what you're dealing with. So like um I will say that if you go there, so what's happening at the moment is underground. We ha- we haven't attended it in our footfall yet. But what it seems to happen is hotels are refusing same sex couples or two men and two women. Which they said they wouldn't be. Which what they are. There's evidence for it. So FIFA are trying to to re-establish their connection with those hotels because those hotels are featured on their website as part of their affiliate programs. Yeah. So this is a bit of a headache for FIFA because you have FIFA who are saying one thing and then the people on the ground saying something different. And then FIFA sending out re- messages to the country saying forget the politics and yeah. just play the football, which is a very kind of blind yeah. thing to say. Yeah. 
so like for instance um, I can't remember who the, the, the club uh, manager for um, Amsterdam or for the Netherlands is but um, Louis he, Van Hal. yeah Louis Van Hal. so so there is my soccer knowledge sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> but he um, discussed this and his team are wearing like uh, toned down jerseys or that was a plan to wear these toned down jerseys and all the Denmark doing that also. Denmark doing that as well or maybe it was Denmark but anyway so there's my, there's my soccer, soccer journey coming up now but uh, basically you know he, he made this kind of statement about them meeting the migrant workers and how they're going to talk to the micro, migrant workers and the micro, migrant workers are going to come and place a day of soccer with them and then he says after that let's get back to the soccer yeah so like if you look at uh, migrant workers for instance which a little bit of research really really throws up a lot of questions like US Today came out today and said that they the the, the workers' rights that they said in 2017 they're going to, to, to re-establish and work really hard to make sure the migrant workers are taken care of none of that happened you know, uh, they backtracked on everything and the Qatari officials, the Qatari royal family who own the construction companies that build these stadiums and hotels, um, they have said that their managers have pressed the fire alarm buttons when FIFA came around so the migrant workers would evacuate and they would get them in buses and leave. So when FIFA turned up, they were like, everyone's gone to lunch. And anyone who was too threatened to stay or hide in the stadium to alert FIFA about the human rights issues that were happening on the camps and said that we're going to get their wages docked. This is from USA Today? USA it? Today, yeah. So you can Google those things all online today, um, those reports. But it, it is a harrowing read. When it comes to LGBT plus rights, um, Sharia law only, um, it's only um, put onto Muslim LGBT people. Um, so Sharia law wouldn't be um, applicable to yourself. Applicable to myself because I'm from Ireland if I went there. So the death penalty, for instance, um, wouldn't apply to me but it does apply to someone who, like me, that lives in Doha. Um, now, there is no evidence online of anyone being um, given the death penalty for being gay in Qatar, so I can't say there's every, any evidence of that, but that is the law there. Okay. Um, and if you look at, for instance, um, there's been a lot of reports by uh, Human Rights Watch again who interviewed six uh, LGBT people that lived in Doha and those six people all have been arrested, all have been imprisoned, all have been mentally, physically and verbally assaulted in um, state prison. And those six people do fear for their lives every day. And that's the six people that they could only get in contact with that live in Doha that were, were, uh, that were uh, and had enough confidence to, to speak freely without identifying themselves. So, you know, this is the reason I'm here today is because I guess it's easy for people to think like, you know, oh, well, it doesn't apply to me. Sharia law doesn't apply to me. So like I can go there, come home, it's fine. But what are you supporting and what are you leaving your money with? You know, what happens to the people's lives when you leave? You know, you get to buy your lovely jerseys, you go there and have a great time. Don't get me wrong, have a great time. But at whose expense is it? Someone like Gary Neville, who um, has been vocal about it, but is still taking funds mm -hmm. to go over there to commentate on the World Cup, says you, you can't enact change from sitting back where you are. So the clubs that are going over, you hear the rainbow armbands. Yeah. Uh, some people say it's a token gesture. Some people think that there could be a Jesse Owens, like significant movement being created over there yeah. to try and help. Um, so for, for some people... It's hard to know where to go. Yeah, there could be something big. There could be a massive statement. Gary Lineker suggested that he knows of at least two homosexual Premier League footballers um, that may come out at the World Cup. Um, so it could be a big, big kind of cultural change in that respect. So it's it's hard to kind of go. Yeah, maybe we should ban it all together. It's happening anyway. Yeah. So it's it's hard to go. Maybe we're not gonna we're gonna abstain for it or something big 
could happen that could enact change? Well, um, the first thing the problem is that's happened is since 2011 when Qatar was awarded this, which uh, my surprise now in 2011, I was really shocked and I thought England were going to get it, honestly. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that the Middle East was going to get it because of the human rights violations that have already done for the 80s and 90s. Um, but follow the money. You know, so when this is awarded, straight away everything kicked into motion. These people were on planes here from Sri Lanka, from from Pakistan, from Nepal. These were all flown in to start the build of this, to start building the motorways and infrastructure for all these games. So these people had already invested. Now, in five or six years later, um, the the Cooperation Council of the Middle East they wanted to ban gay foreigners from all the, the Middle Eastern countries. So there's a gay uh, there's a Cooperation Council that's based in Kuwait I think it is and they have Qatar and lots of other countries in their, in their, as their memberships and they were going to discuss that they approved to discuss that on their agenda and the only reason it wasn't approved that they were going to ban gay foreigners from that area from the Middle East was because it would have negatively affected Qatar World Cup so it'll be interesting to see in the next Arab Springs what happens will that be brought up again and will they approve it Yeah. so they, these things are going to happen whether we like it or not but what I will say is um I would say to Gary Lindgren and people like that I know maybe one day they might listen to this I don't know hmm. but um, they, they should stand up hmm. and the likes of Sky Sports and RT they should stand up against it and I would say to people out there how do we do it now like well we, you, you've done that you yeah, you, you, you stood up in, in people may not know this but you would have been somewhat contractually obligated yeah. to go over there to work there during the World Cup as part of your, your work commitments but you've yeah. refused that yeah so not a lot of people know that but yeah I wouldn't do it and um, another thing is that like um, when I was like years ago I've, I've made this commitment to not support th- those countries um, but I, I found it a long time ago that um, people were, were very easy to say that like you know they work for Emirates Airlines and the, the people would put up with it over there they put up with it, the strange customs that would come with alcohol or homosexual relationships and they put up with it because it's work where I would say, you know, they're are they complicit? Are they complicit in this journey that we're on? Um, like the likes of Gary Lineker, you know, what do we do now? Well, we don't switch it on. Yeah. Everyone in Ireland here, right? You love soccer. Read about it the next day by the newspaper. You don't need to watch it. Ireland's not playing. Well, accusations of sport washing. This is what it is because, yeah. it, like, oh, all that stuff is happening. Yeah. But at least you know th- there's some good coming out of it in terms of we get to watch sport or yeah. they're pumping money <laughs> into the club that I am invested in. I mean, it's well, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not a soccer fan. I can't see it, but like, I don't know. It would be really hard for me to watch 90 minutes of that and to think there's something good in this really hard like we're, you're watching millionaires on a football pitch you know kicking around the ball like where's where are we you know and they're kicking it around in like the, one of the hottest places on earth yeah. uh, which is at air conditioned stadiums but like even like saw a photograph of the air conditioners the air conditioning units under each uh, chair in the stadium I thought to myself at what prices whose life was lost for that you know it's like there's no, there's no joy there's no glamour in it you know it's it's like every every turn you take on this journey every every avenue you walk down when it comes to like the World Cup this year um, it doesn't seem to have a happy ending and like you know uh, for me I, I would always look at this year for the World Cup as to be one of the years where it's like yeah it's great that it, it highlights the fact that we have LGBT plus um, people living in Qatar that have no voices and they are now getting a voice whether it's anonymous or not but you know after this when this is all over and done with they're forgotten again mm. the migrant workers are forgotten again 
you know and I also know what it's like to be forgotten about when I grew up in the 90s here Ireland was the very same I was every corner I turned people wouldn't even look at me because I was gay I was openly gay so like I and I'm not saying I'm like any of those over there because I know they have much harder lives but I can understand what, it's, what it feels like to not have a voice and to feel trapped when the world is against you so like I'm looking at it from a singular point of view of someone who's over there thinking they have nowhere to turn to just listening to Jake Daniels after he came out this is a direct quote he said I told my mum and sister and the day after I told my mum we played Accrington and I scored four goals so it just goes to show how much of a weight off the shoulders it was and a massive relief and he became the first openly gay professional footballer since Justin Fashionu yeah. so that, uh, things like that uh, there was an Australian that came out recently Carvalho yeah. uh, things like that can only be positive for the movement and if if that somehow happens something that is a, a, a catalyst for change happens in the yeah. Qatar World Cup it, it does seem to be there is an underwhelming uh, or, or an underlying resentment towards yeah. the World Cup that's going on from different media organisations other media yeah. organisations will, will champion the football but it seems to me from my perspective there is a bit of a voice or at least a conversation been had around yeah. this issue which yeah. is something that hasn't really happened before absolutely yeah so I think this is probably what I didn't want yeah <laughs> This is, this is precisely what to spend the money against <laughs> so I yeah I understand that Australian footballer you mentioned he actually came out recently and said that he was afraid to yeah. go to the Qatar World Cup and the Qatari government assured him his safe passage in and out of Qatar for the World Cup so it just goes to show they're listening to everything they have said all fans will be welcome to the World Cup without discrimination that's from uh, Qatar governments themselves through FIFA so uh it remains to be seen. Well, look, here's the thing. If you were going to give me a ticket to go there now tomorrow, I wouldn't take the chance. Well, for Ireland, we're playing. <laughs> John, thanks very much for taking the time. Thanks. We're going to take a quick ad break there. Lots more still to come here on Scoreline. Fighting to light coming up. But this must be, what, the fourth event now? A charity boxing event. Uh, you've run some very successful events in the past out in the new venue as well out in Castle Lynch you must be incredibly excited on yeah it's, it's going well um, only this time we're doing it for a lady Jackie Falsy Jackie went in for an operation and as most people know there was complications so and everything this time now is going to the Falsy family um, look her her two sons went to school with my lad I grew up I know Jackie all my life I know Martin the husband so came around we weren't going to do another one till the new year there was a post on Facebook Barry rang me I, before he said that and I said yeah right let's go so. and and from there then you know you get the idea but then you have to get in the lads to train as well and it looks like you've after getting a great reception I see Chris Clancy down there training as well so you've gotten a good response in terms of people wanting to trail we did yeah we've got, uh, we started off with a good but along the way look life work injuries some people think they can do it and three weeks in they're like oh it's not for me so look we have 12, uh, 13 fights 13 yeah. 13 fights so we started out with I think originally it would have been 20 but look it happens 15 is an ideal number but look we'll, we'll go with what we have and you were fighting last time yourself you didn't do too well did no, you no no Tyrone the Terrible <laughs> Tyrone boy. the Terrible he ended my career thank God <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people would be delighted to see it but sure look yeah, no, he's a great kid. I was seeing the videos, he was yeah. coming out to The Undertaker. and Fabulous young man, fabulous. Yeah. And the thing with Tyrone, with the Down syndrome, he doesn't let it interfere. And all the lads in the club just take to him. There's nothing in his way, he's just a normal kid. He's a fantastic young fella, absolutely. Yeah. I was delighted to do it with him. Brilliant. Knocking you out as well, mm. that, was, that, was, that was the best thing to oh, see. Oh, 
class. The hitman <laughs> hit <laughs> the floor. Destroyed. <laughs> there was a, a forfeit on that as well, actually. Whoever lost had to get a, a mohawk shaved in, so we're waiting on Owen to... Waiting on the mohawk. Well, you can discuss that with Lorraine at home. <laughs> uh, Barry, you're you're involved in the promotion of the events as well, and Castle Lynch, seeing the venue last time through social media, just what an amazing spot. Yeah, great transformation. Like, most people know it as the Sunday market, and... To get it from what it was, what people know it as what we had it on the night is took a big team effort. Now, fairs to Michael Power and his team, whole place was emptied out, and and we asked, we got. But it's a real professional setup as well. A lot of people might think, oh, an amateur boxing night or anything like that. It, it, it's akin to something that you might even see on the telly, like just and um, with the the fans been just so invested in it because of course they have people that are competing in the in, in the matches as well they have 13 matches to enjoy they're all waiting for that one match where that guy comes out with his song that he picks himself or her song that she picks herself it's just a, a, a brilliant buzz about it. yeah it's great it's, it's very family orientated because it's someone's mother or father or brother or sister whatever that's doing it it's not like say gyms against gyms it's all yeah. local people so it's great that way. It's very uh, family orientated. Um, we try to put a professional slant on it, like we had yourself doing MCs. Uh, obviously, my background was music, so we were able to bring kind of the promoting side to it to another level. Owen has all the experience in running kickboxing shows, so we were able to get professional cut teams involved. It just adds to the, the overall feel of the event. Yeah, that's to the occasion, 100%. Uh, Owen, you yourself, you're, you're down over in the Hebron Industrial Estate yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen great success with Team Rhino there yesterday. Ryan Mangan doing brilliant in yeah. the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Tournament, European Championships, getting a silver medal. Now, you're adjacent to, to Team Rhino at ISCA. Uh, how's the gym been going in general? Well, up to COVID, we were flying. There's no point in saying that COVID absolutely decimated it on, on a fighter side. Um, the kids' classes obviously went. All classes went. Yeah. And uh, look, we're on a rebuild now. Thankfully, it's on the way up. But now you have to start bringing through. It's a transition now of bringing the juniors through and starting getting them to compete, you know. We'll, so hopefully next year now we'll be back to square where we'll have a proper fighting. We'll be able to promote kickboxing shows on top of the amateur or the white collar shows but look whether you believe in COVID or not it, it and we're not the only club I mean I'd be talking to coach something down the country and everyone is in the same boat lots, lots of people lads went off obviously sitting at home no training eating lost the desire and then when it came back ah oh, no I'm not going back I'm too far gone now yeah, I'm too fat now to train basically <laughs> so yeah look but look it's coming around we have a few new ventures coming on we're going to have yoga in there next year uh, starting in January hopefully we believe we're the first club ever to bring wrestling to Kilkenny not the pro wrestling that no, I'll be no, talking no, about no, sometimes no. now uh, Shane the Bruiser will be coming no. back Shane is more than welcome to come <laughs> up and train we have a couple of coaches there now Olympic, Olympic Greco-Roman yeah uh, we have we have a coach there that actually trained and won titles in Romania he was a Romanian national champion back in his youth but he's there now and Robert in fairness to Robert Mishko my partner and a very good friend of mine Robert went and during Covid he went away and he trained hmm. and he got all his coaching badges and stuff now so we have the match Scott the floor is set so it's just starting in January now we'll have wrestling in Kilkenny do, do, do you find it hard competing uh, and you have to come up with these different things like wrestling to try and uh get a catchment of people in because you're competing with GAA you're competing with rugby you're competing with soccer but a lot of these things now individual sports you're having transferable skills we've seen Pat Ryan who is the Rathvilly 
manager when they won the the Carlow County Championship. Massive background in boxing as well. He brought a lot of the kind of boxing cardio strength yeah. and fitness over into that I know you train some t- soccer teams yeah. uh, within Kilkenny as well so there is more than just the competitive fighting nature of it as well there's more to the gym than oh, just yeah. uh, just competing to keep the gym open look basically to keep the gym open we get no funding yeah. zero and that's the same across the board for all the other clubs in Kilkenny any of the martial arts clubs we get zero right so you're you're basically funding yourself and every time you have to come up with a new idea at the end of the day like I said at COVID we were very lucky with our landlord but at the end of the day the bills still have to be paid so you need to keep people coming through the door and you just have to keep reinventing the club so look when it comes to <laughs> computers and all I'm a caveman right <laughs> but Barry came along when we'd done the first fight until like Barry came on next you know Barry went his way I carried on in the gym Barry came back to do a second one now we're lucky Barry's boss Emma she came along and the two lads approached me and said look on the administration side of things do you need a hand and I was absolutely Yeah, I haven't a clue when it comes to technology so Emma's kind of took the reins that side herself and Barry look after everything and then we, we set up a new committee so we've all like we'd say we'd have instructors but we also have the two lads on it as independent so you come up with your idea the lads either say yeah or they shoot you down and we just move forward but things are starting to roll there's a lot of ventures now and ideas coming forward and the idea now is to get get the club back to where it was in 2000. Like, I mean, we were going to the World Championships with seven yeah. fighters. At the moment, I probably have three. So it's to get it back up to a team of about 10 or 12 fighters and start again and start building back to... looking for your, You're looking for your next champion. Sorry I never went past my karate yellow belt. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned the, the funding thing as well because someone who has such a rich history in martial arts in Kilkenny, Mr Paul Cummins... He's the same with, say, the hockey side of things as well. He's trying to get Kilkenny Storm going and it's a minority sport and uh, the funding just isn't there for them. Is there anything on the horizon in that respect for individual sports coming out of COVID? Because you see on the back of the tremendous success that Irish boxing is having, particularly in the female ranks in recent terms, like, do you think individual sports are going to get a bounce back when it comes to funding? I don't... Personally, I don't think we will. Not in our lifetime. Look, Paul, in fairness to Paul... Paul works very hard at what he does and a credit to him and he is and he's pushing he's pushing and he's pushing but he's, he's pushing against a wall that's just not going to move that's my opinion yeah. will that stop Paul pushing no it won't that's for the multi yeah. sp- uh, sports purpose multi-purpose sports facility that he's let's be honest it all goes back to the, to the politicians the funding's not they're saying that there's funding this is there's funding for that there's funding for the other you go look for the funding or no you're not eligible or no you're not you know you don't get this you don't get that local politicians here have been very good to us on different levels they've helped us out with different things but when it comes to look let's be honest a sports facility that everyone in Kilkenny could use is it a good idea? Absolutely is it going to happen? I don't think so and I'm noticing the same in the, say, the theatre and the drama in, in Kilkenny as well people are looking for uh, Barnstorm Theatre are looking for places to, to be able to help people who want to act and stuff like that so it's kind of a, a problem across the board experience by people within uh, Kilkenny but Getting back to positive stuff like fighting to light, like that can only do the gym, the people that are participating in it, the charity that it's for. It's only for the greater good. Yeah, but you see, going back to it again, should you really be running charity shows for charities that are there to help the public, and yet they're not getting funded? Yeah, you know, you're back. It's it's that it's the same thing. It's what's good enough, as you said. 
GA. I've not much against the GA. Jeez, if you're good enough to hurl and happy days and fair play to you and the whole lot and an excellent organisation. But there are, like you said, dice hockey lads. Not everybody wants to be a hurler. Not everybody wants to be a kickboxer. Mm. You know, they're entitled, they're entitled to a bit of help too. No more than like, okay, I'm going to be selfish. I want it for the kickboxing. But individual sports, there's loads of sports out there. I mean, we have, we have every we've mixed like you know we've a mixture of students from Irish you have we have a couple of English kids training with us we have uh, Lithuanians Romanians um, we've even had an Israeli and a Palestinian joined both train in the gym no politics no nonsense train together kids not all them kids some of them train just for fun not every kid in your gym wants to be a fighter either you know so look I don't know the answer genuinely don't all I know is I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing door is open want to bring your child up child come and train if they want to compete obviously the parents come and approach us yeah we'll get them competing so look what do you do we just keep pushing forward come up with new initiatives like the wrestling we were talking to Raging Bulls uh, boxing club in Carlo, which is now because of what happened with Tullo during COVID losing the premises is I believe the only boxing club left in Carlo at the moment yeah I know which, James yeah. Very well. and he was talking about without getting into prices or anything like that he was talking about uh, maybe it's not applicable to yourselves but the price of medicals for his uh, student or students or boxers to compete and there's a family of five and it's going to be quite costly for them to get medicals based on in their catchment area in where they are. Do you experience that kind of problem for a competition? Well we have the same if you're going to compete you have to have your medical Mm. so you go to your doctor it's I don't know what it is now for a doctor but like you said it could be a a family of two, three, four if all them kids want to compete they have to go and get their medical. That's not me making them get the medical. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what the association but it's another stumbling block yeah it's the organisation I'm involved in that's what they require yeah um, look equipment's not cheap everything you go across the board rent just like Tolo experienced yeah. rent is and you know what it's only going to get worse yeah we've we've tried hard to keep our prices as competitive I haven't raised money in 8 years yeah I haven't raised the price of a class in 8 years am I going to be able to sustain that I don't know yeah if the numbers stay high we can keep the money down like there's no there is zero money every every penny goes in goes on our rent or goes back into the club something new has to be bought the whole time we have two lads competing in England they have to be got to Dublin you know now they'll be brought over flown over the other side but they still have to go to Dublin someone has to put the diesel in the car to bring them yeah um, look there's lots of there's, it's not it's not easy no sport is easy if sport you know it's like Anton uh, if we had funding again you're going back you're able to break it down but what I'm getting at is knowing that the the cost that is associated with running a club, cost for competitors, the new equipment that you have to have, rent, energy costs, all this, the fact that you're doing a charity show that are, is going to draw at least 700 people there and you're giving that money back to charity is is, is hugely commendable. When you when you sit back, you mightn't realise it, but when you sit back and think about the, the struggling costs that has for every club, for you to be able to go, no, we're going to plan a show, we're going to train X amount of people, 26 people if you have 13 mm. fights. We're going to train 26 people, different nationalities, different various levels of abilities and go, and everything that we make from that, we're going to pawn a professional show, make everyone have the best experience possible and then give it back to someone. That That's truly commendable. So. It is, but you have, to be fair, there's a lot of the local businesses now have come in and sponsored the fighters and that. And, you know, look, without, without the helps of small donations like that, these shows can't go ahead... It's a charity event, mm. but let's be realistic. That's going to cost about five thousand euros to run. Yeah, yeah. At least the you last know. one was uh, 
just under 7,000 to run and that's before anything is made like yeah yeah um, suppose yeah it is odd for charity the other side as well is we try to retain some of them people that will stay trained in the gym like so that's yeah. kind of what we benefit out of it um, but other than that like everything is handed straight over um, we do have some people training with us from the very first one and we're hoping to keep more people on people are asking about women's classes so we've started a women's class there last week as well um, it's all like you said trying to keep ahead of the curve and listen to what people are interested in I'll throw a challenge to Robbie there at the next one Robbie our producer Casey we're at loggerheads constantly so if he accepts we could fight at the next one maybe it's no problem when's it going ahead lads then 2nd 2nd of December Friday 2nd of December big night so no doubt we'll be talking to you again before then out in the Castle Lynch venue is there courtesy buses going or did you have that going last time Uh, it was yeah last time it was 20 euro for taking a fiver for the bus but obviously with the cost of everything going up now we had to raise the prices just to keep the show on the road so it's 25 euro ticket and a bus then is either 8 euro return or 5 euro each way and that'll be going from the Castle Park again Lovely jubbly. Lads, no doubt we'll be covering it along when it's happening December 2nd out in the Castle Lynch venue. Fight into light four. Tyrone is actually looking for an opponent if you're interested. Oh. <laughs> Not after he sparked out the hitman. Can Shit. I just say best of luck to Owen Ford as well. He's fighting in England in a couple of weeks. The week before our show, he's fighting for the ISKA Five Nations title and hopefully be able to bring it home. Fingers crossed. Thanks very much, lads. On dial, Barry Delaney talking about Fight Into Light 4. 083-306-9696. Dinnersready.ie contact line. If you want to get in touch with ourselves to maybe listen back to that or get any information on that show, we'll be more than happy to help you. Stick around here on Scoreline. Lots more still to come, even though we only have... I'm going to be dry and I'm going to get your workout in. Well, that's the thing. A lot of people may kind of uh, sit at home. A lot of comfort foods kind of come out at this time of year as well. What's the key to kind of refraining from that kind of stuff and being able to motivate yourself to get to the gym? And you experience it in January. It kind of happens before January. You get almost pre-January blues. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people kind of, like you said, when the weather gets bad and we have dark evenings, we kind of fall into a bad routine of... Of just sitting in beside the fire and eating bad food and you know and not being too active um, it's not a great time of the year because you can't really go out and go for a walk or do anything like that it's it's a bit too dark and wet um, but yeah it's a good time to join the gym because you can go in and you can do whatever type of exercise you want and you want to be dry and, and safe Davey with the the weather that will inevitably come it's going to get colder and uh, people will suffer with different ailments and a lot of ailments come from the weather directly I, I even noticed myself with the change in weather one of my scars started twitching there recently and it, it only really does that old collarbone injury started kind of getting a, a, a lot more it, it was having a bit more negative experience on my life basically a negative effect on my life I should say injuries like that that are somewhat weather dependent how can you work around that in the gym I suppose a lot of people get kind of sore joints and stuff like that with the, uh, people anyone with arthritis or something like that usually we get the joints would be a little bit worse over, over the winter months but uh, yeah I suppose the main thing is just to keep moving a lot of people, the worst thing you can do is, is stay still and, and not move at all and everything's going to seize up then you know is to get in an exercise plan and get moving and make sure that you don't seize up and it's very easy to do that as well because a, a blanket is quite comfortable at this time. Uh, Debbie, when we were chatting last week as well, I said I probably would have been 
quite adverse to taking new nutrition advice, you know, because I'm a vegetarian, so it, I'd be quite restrictive in what I eat anyway, so I'd be opposed to really a lot of new kind of different things. But you kind of sat me down and said, Shane, you need to look at your nutrition. We looked at my protein intake and it wasn't something that was uh, very high, maybe a bit too carb heavy in some stages without me necessarily realizing, thinking, oh, wraps are good or this are good. But we had a more protein heavy diet. And I have to say that the benefits have been noticed almost immediately, only a week in. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, just you were kind of depriving yourself a little bit of food and you were kind of under eating a little bit towards. The, the, your output like your output was a lot and we found then that you just weren't eating enough you know and definitely getting enough not getting enough protein and we kind of sorted out a bit and you should feel the effects of that in the next week or two you have more energy you'll be able to train for longer do more and recover faster is that generally then a thing for most people in terms of protein then just up in your protein intake and being a lot more conscious of your carbs and your fats that you're taking in not I'm not saying take all them out I know some people try and cut out carbs altogether but that leads to significant cravings and stuff but just trying to be a bit more conscious in regards to your protein intake yeah especially if people who want to build some muscle yeah and yourself being a vegetarian it's it's a much harder situation to get get some protein because you can't just sit down and eat a steak and um you know, a lot of people might be vegan, and that's even harder again. But yeah, you might have to score two supplements. But in that scenario, your scenario, it's it's most important that we're hitting the protein goals each day because you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, really, when it comes to lifting weights and wanting to build muscle. Because this is not going to happen, really, if you're not putting in the right types of food. And yeah, it does. And is this kind of something that you give then to most of your clients that come in? Everyone is coming in with a different purpose. Everyone's coming in with a different goal, whether it be fat loss, building muscle, trying to up their cardio or anything like that. Is this kind of universal in, in regards to just doing physical activity, that protein is needed to be taken? And what exactly is protein doing to your body? Well, it's helping uh, rebuild the muscle tissue that we break down in the gym. And that's all we do in the gym is break down muscle tissue. We don't build muscle in the gym. We build muscle when we're resting and when we have enough nutrients in our body and resting. Um, but yeah, all we do in the gym is break down muscle tissue, burn calories, and we, most most of the time we burn most of our body fat when we're asleep. Actually, but that's what? another big too. Another big thing too is getting enough sleep. A lot of people I find as I discussion the other day with all my clients, people who would work night night shifts over the last ten years. Of the game, I, I read a study about a while ago, but uh, over the last 10 years, you see a lot of people who work night shifts and, you know, whatever they be uh, doing late shifts and all this, they'd find it harder to lose weight than a person who would have a 9 to 5 that's getting a good 8-hour sleep every night. So, yeah, um, doing do, getting a good night's sleep is really, really good for weight loss, for muscle gain, and for strength, for everything. So if you're sleep-deprived, like we were saying to you, your day is kind of a big thing with recovery. That's why a lot of pro athletes, like, say, all the Irish rugby players and all that would be uh, at a push towards having a nap during the day to help them recover and making sure they're getting eight hours sleep. And they'd be tracked even in just the sleep patterns would all be tracked as well. So if I go to sleep tonight, can I add that to my workout? <laughs> you can add that to your workout. Add it to fit, uh, my fitness app or anything like that. Sleep. Yeah, but that's it. Like, you know, it's most important, especially in my game with kind of strength and all that. 
I suppose is one aspect I, I I need to up my game a bit and is is anyone looking for performance in any sport of sport it's it's the number one way to recover is sleep. All the all all our hormones are released in sleep and all growth hormones and stuff like this and it's our body is really recovering then um, when we're in a deep sleep well same with like I was saying to you with the fat loss. Well if we're not getting enough sleep our body's kinda you're not gonna get the same performance in the gym. And you're not recovering from the last performance, so it's kind of like a double whammy of negative effects. Well, when we went through uh, what we do, uh, I, I was I'm a devil for energy drinks, or was a devil for energy drinks. I'll say I give them up, but I'm still I I know I'll be partial to one or two. I'm also a devil for coffee, so therefore the caffeine that I was intaking was quite big, and the yeah. sleep that I was getting was probably <laughs> due to, it, it was a catch-22. I wasn't sleeping because I was taking too much caffeine, but I needed caffeine to wake up. So, like, the, these energy drinks and, and things like coffee and, and stimulants that get you going for the day. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you kind of, you didn't tell me not to, but you were suggesting a, a different alternatives altogether and basically just consume water. Consume water and take in more sodium. Um we were saying that you find the sweat a lot when you're, when you're training and that means you're, you're putting out a lot of water and you weren't drinking enough water so that's why you felt tired and we just were recommending, I was saying to you about drinking more water, taking in some sodium into your diet and yeah, not drinking drink all them monsters and stuff like that. But I am a monster, Davy. I want to be a monster. I don't. Davy, Davy Jones Fitness. Now you're coming up to the Christmas period. We know that you have a lot of deals that you generally throw out for different times of year. Do you have any exclusives for us? Yeah, my exclusives. That's going to be announced now tomorrow. But I'll give it to you first. And um, we have a free week's membership for anyone. For anyone who wants to start from tomorrow to the next to Monday week. We have a free week's membership, so you can come in, use the gym for the week, see how see how you what you think of it, and then go from there. Oh wow, that's a, yeah, that's because a, a, a lot of people might cater. There's no time like the present, and a lot of people would say stuff like, "I'll do that in January. That's when I'm going to start my fitness journey." That's what it seems like a perfect opportunity. Yeah, but that's it. Like it's it's a way of getting into the gym and uh, get going, and you know, there's there's no there's no. No ties to it, and I can see what things are like, and then go from there. Well, Davy, I'll be chatting to you again tomorrow in Davy Jones Fitness. The blog post will probably go up tomorrow. I have to say, because you're telling me to go sleep, Davy. You're telling me to go, yeah, sleep. go to sleep. I'll get the blog <laughs> post up tomorrow, and I'll chat to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thanks, Amber. Bye. Davy Jones from Davy Jones Fitness. Always a pleasure to talk to one of Ireland's strongest men. We had an absolute belter of a night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night. Some cracking action there. Really, really exciting stuff. And two very big competitions. Well, it got underway with the Burgess Kennels Novice Unraced Round 2 last night and three amazing heats of this one. The first heat was won by Stories Law in a time of 29.12 at a price of 5-4, to four, showing good early pace for owners Gavin O'Mahony, Peter McMunn and trained by the maestro, Mert Lahey. Well done to all connections of Stories Law. Very nice performance there. In the second heat of the Burgess Kennels Unraced, here comes Smog, won here in a time of 29.18 at a price of 3 to 1. Again trained by Mert Lahey and owned by the Upper Syndicate. So well done to all connections of Here Comes Smog. And in the third heat, Deadly Kyogo 
One here in a time of 29.03, staying on stoutly to win for owner Gary Hannon and trainer Carol Ramsbottom. A very shrewd combination indeed. So well done to all our winners in the Burgess Kennels round two last night. And we emerged through to next week's round three. It's going to be a cracking competition. Some fantastic pups here in this one. And Kilkenny, Greyhound Stadium, produces the cream of the crop, the best of the pups, year in, year out in all these competitions. And wonderful to see a big crowd in Kilkenny last night where we had free admission for the Egrosiacht Lakela initiative to remember all those connected to the Greyhound Racing game who have passed away in recent times. So wonderful to see a big crowd and free admission for all patrons in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night. Well done to all involved for organising that one. After that, we had the €12,000 Deadly Kennels A2 semi-finals last night. What a belter of a competition this one is. Check for Sir got the first semi-final underway in a time of 28.79 winning by three lengths to Grangeview best back in second it was a very nice performance by Check for Sir not all that surprising though he has been an absolute classy ground around Kilkenny Ground Stadium winning his last three on the trot and next week in the final he will look to make it four wins on the bounce Grangeview best was back in second and Kilgraney Leo Back in third, so those three progressed through to the final of the Deadly Kennels A2 5-5 competition. Of course, check for Sir, owned by the Cashback Syndicate and trained by Carol Ramsbottom. The second semi-final was won by Priceless Opera in a time of 28-87 for very powerful connections here. The Murphy family of the Cayman Islands and trainer Paul Hennessy, who has a number of runners in the opening round of the Ledger Limerick tonight. Priceless Opera at a price of 4-7 to seven, winning the second semi-final of the Diddley Kennels A2 competition Boo the best was back in second and Foyle Amy was back in third and those three progressed through to the final of the Diddley Kennels A2 competition next Friday night in Kilkenny Ground Stadium it's going to be a cracker with the Diddley Kennels A2 final and also the next round of the Burgess Kennels novice on a race so really exciting week ahead in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium Elsewhere, we had a distance race last night in Kilkenny over 725. 650 euro to the winner here. Fantastic to see that kind of prize money. Pablo Escobar came through on top. The time he did was 40.59. Back in second, doing a clock of 40.60. Nothing between the two. Calara Zoe. Just shows you the margins that are so tight in the wonderful ground racing game. So well done to connections of Pablo Escobar owned by the Glamdog Millionaire Syndicate and trained by Carl Ramsbottom, who had yet another winner on the card last night. Wonderful to see the distance racing in Kilkenny as well. Elsewhere tonight in a Limerick Greyhound Stadium, as we mentioned, we have the opening round of the Matchbook Betting Exchange Irish St. Ledger. €30,000 prize money to the winner of this one. A prize fund in excess of €60,000 overall. It's a cracking competition year out. Year in, year out. And Paul Hennessy, of course, has been on the score sheet a number of times in this one. And he brings a strong team down to the Treaty County tonight. So best of luck to all our local runners there. The likes of Stories Cash Out in the first heat for Gavin O'Mahony and trainer Mert Lahey. Very nice dog indeed. Finished third last time out in Shelburne Park and stays strong. Stories cash out best to look there in the second heat of the matchbook and betting exchange Irish St. Ledger. I'll not be back. Who broke the track record last week in Cork doing a time of 27.81. Almost unheard of. Fantastic run. 
Nine wins from 27 starts. Fantastic striker. Trained, of course, by Paul Hennessy. He runs from trap four in the second round of the matchbook betting exchange Irish St. Ledger in Limerick tonight and will be a lot of people's fancy to go all the way in this one. Right beside him in trap five, Beach Avenue here. For the Healy family and trainer Paul Hennessy, Beach Avenue has been a stalwart, a fantastic servant for all connections. And we're really looking forward to seeing him in action tonight in Limerick for the opening round of the matchbook betting exchange Irish St. Ledger. In the fourth heat of the first round of the ledger, we have local interest here in the form of a flaming money bags for the two leash for Kilkenny syndicate has been running well in Shelburne Park of late has a 29-56 win on its card round Shelburne as well as 28-28 over the 5-2-5 distance so best of luck to flaming money bags and all the syndicate involved with him fantastic ground he is indeed in the seventh heat we have strong local interest in this one in the form of priceless opera who won last time out in 28.70 in Kilkenny for the Murphy family and trainer Paul Hennessy. Fantastic dog indeed. And out in trap six for Andy Murray, Gert Kelly Nestor, who has been a tremendous servant for the Murray family who often run their grounds in Kilkenny Stadium as well. The heat after that, we have Barefoot Supreme on trap one for Paul Hennessy, Trinity Junior on trap four for Peter Cronin of Mooncoin, and All About Any for Peter Cronin of Mooncoin as well. So Peter Cronin, the Mooncoin trainer, having two runners side by side, one in the black jacket of trap four and one in the orange jacket of trap five, which is All About Any. So best of luck to them. Stories Pee Wee runs in the ninth heat for Gavin Amani and Mert Lahey. So best of luck to them. And finally, in last but not least, in the 11th, heat hello Tommy owned by Susan Hennessy Paul Hennessy's wife and trained by Paul Hennessy runs from trap one and for another one of Paul Hennessy's runners Blast Off Harry goes from the orange jacket of trap five having done a 28-13 trial run Cork latest phenomenal run so best of luck to all our local runners tonight in Limerick for the opening round of the matchbook betting exchange Irish St. Ledger 30,000 euro to the winner this one it's phenomenal prize money and we look forward to a very exciting week ahead for Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium next Friday night with the Deadly Kennels A2 final and the next round of the Burgess Kennels Open Unraced. Now, I hope you enjoyed Scoreline Extra. As I said, it was a long one. I told you that was going to happen. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane and remember, you're sound out. (laughs) 